0: to a very special episode of Oscar Sunday. I'm Connor Zigaretti.
1: I'm Carol Boucher.
0: And today we are tackling M Night Shyamalan's 1999 debut, The Sixth Sense, one of the few horror films to be nominated for best picture at the Oscars and probably his best work, you know. He peaked early, regrettably, as we've talked about pretty much all this week. Uh but you know, when When Austin's off and I got Caleb, odds are we're going to do some horror movie. And this worked out because Knock at the Cabin is out getting kind of mixed reviews. Uh, But, you know, not horrible. And with M. Night, not horrible is pretty much the best you can hope for.
1: Yeah. So horror movie or there's still technically and let this be known, there's still a track ass film on the table for Oscar Sunday. I'm looking at you, bad grandpa. Yeah, it's. I love it. Yeah, there's certain r- ridiculous comedies we can do.
0: We can do that. We can do Austin Powers Two. You do The Nutty Professor. It's 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 wild what gets the nominations sometimes. But yeah, oh yeah, Jackass Bad Grandpa would be a fantastic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> episode. Oh yeah, and it's funny because honestly, Bad Grandpa. If you were to ask me my like the one I'm not into the most, it'd probably be that. I don't, like that's my least like. Eh. It's still fucking funny. It's just not as funny as like Jackass movies. It's true, but
0: it's Oscar nominated, which. Is insane. But anyway, uh, The Sixth Sense was nominated for six Oscars at the 72nd Academy Awards. Lost Best Picture to American Beauty. Hard to argue with that one. That's a fantastic movie. Uh, we did it on a Best Picture Showdown a long time ago. Back when, uh, you know, that was our first time talking about Kevin Spacey since the uh, allegations. But uh, we kind of reclaimed that movie. And, you know, we did a showdown. So Sixth Sense came up and uh, we tabled it. We also covered this on Filmgasm a long time ago in an episode that was frankly below par. So here we are reclaiming it on Oscar Sunday. Going to have a full-on proper conversation with two people who saw it and
1: care. (laughs) Scott's fired. I am not going to open to that anymore. I know she's (laughs) on the
0: show. It's fine. No, yeah,
1: it... Yeah, we're going to do this a lot better because I I know, I think we're both on the same camp that we have seen this for like a, a lot over the years. Um I'm already introduced to this via an aunt of mine. It was there through, she had the DVD or VHS, I forget which, but she had it and knew I liked horror and was like, oh, it was PG-13. Like, it, it's not the most scariest thing ever and we'll think you like it. And yeah, I fell in love with it. So I've seen this movie a lot over the years since I was a kid. Yeah, same
0: here. This is a... Uh... I've often talked about my grandma who
1: hates horror movies
0: and is terrified by all of them and won't even be in the same room when one's playing. Weirdly, The Sixth Sense is one of the few that she really enjoys. Uh, I've never been able to figure that out. Like M. Night Shyamalan, she has no problem. She loves Sixth Sense, Signs, The Village. She loves all of that. But like she won't watch like Psycho.
1: I don't, well. I don't care. We kind of talked about it with, like, um with the happening, but even, like, he doesn't ever really go there, if that makes sense. Like, even with this, like, yes, he has scenes that are, like, legitimately, to me, creepy. Um, I definitely remember, we'll get into it as we talk more about the film, but I do remember some scenes in this film as a kid fucking got me. Um, But, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, he still lands, like, ex- ex- soft punches. And in this case, I actually don't mean it as a negative like it did in The Happening. Um, I actually mean, like, it with the movie and the story he's trying to tell, it works that he doesn't go that far with it, that he only goes so far, because the idea is that you're seeing this as a kid is seeing it, you know what I mean? You're seeing it from a kid's point of view, so that's why it's only scary to an extent, because eventually as the film goes on, as we see, he learns to accept what he is, his gift, if you will, his, his sixth sense, um, and actually knows how to use it without it always scaring him. So it's like it it works in the context of the film, him not pushing as far as you probably could even with PG 13.
0: Well I, I love that that approach to a ghost story that, you know, ghosts aren't just, you know, scary and vengeful. Like they just want to be heard. They just need somebody to understand what they're going through and to help them find peace. And regrettably, this kid, Cole, is the outlet. He's the medium. And he didn't want this, but you know, it's not about what you want. It's about what you end up with. And I love him eventually realizing, you know, the only way to get rid of these ghosts is to help them find peace. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole, a, like a drama that evolves into horror and then devolves back into drama. It's a very smart movie. And I don't know where he went after this, but you know, he was nominated for three Oscars for this thing. Like personally, he was up for oh, never mind two, just two, not producer, but he was up for director and screenplay for this and he had a chance like this is a very tight screenplay his direction is fantastic the cast is amazing this is a great movie uh
1: yeah i'm excited to talk about it yeah i'm very excited to talk about this because even you know with all the shit we kind of said on the happening for those if you haven't listened to me on the best on that this kind of represents like what i do like about shaman when when he does actually finally work and his films click and he has a good screenplay with good direction and good acting. I cannot stress that part enough. Good fucking acting. Um, after saying to the happening, God. Uh, but when it works, and it works. I mean, between this and Unbreakable and Split are kind of like my top three. If you were to ask me, like right now, where you're, like those are my top three when it comes to like everything just coming together and working in a fucking Shyamalan film. Um, with this to me obviously being the one. You know, this was the one that, like, when it came out, people were like, Oh, he's the next Spielberg. And I, I mean, I always had issues. Well, I mean, now that I'm older, I'm a bit more into like, uh, more in tune with like film and theory and all that stuff. Um, I don't like that not because of the whole like it creates an ego thing, but simply because like I don't want anyone to be the next something. I don't want the next Wes Craven. I don't want the next John Carpenter. I want James Wan. I want Ari Aster. I want. Um Robert Egger's like that's what I want. I don't want the next something. I just want the person that is becoming a visionary behind the camera and giving me good fucking films. yeah, as Dwayne Johnson said in fighting with my family, don't be the
0: next rock, be the first you. Mm-hmm. that's what you should you know have your heroes, but don't you know, don't emulate them. find your own style, be proud of your own work,
1: yeah, and exactly
0: for an extent, M Knight was able to do that, and you know, I don't well, I, was, I just don't think he's been proud for a while. <laughs> Hopefully, Knock of the Cabin isn't terrible. I'm excited to see it, but also, you know, I'm apprehensive. I've been I've been hurt before.
1: I can't wait to see either all four of us walk away happy or just be like, what the hell did we just watch?
0: We'll see. I I don't know. I don't know.
1: Look, what to real quick, I promise, this is the last time I'll shit on him because we're on Oscar Sunday this time. <laughs> I'll never forget sitting through Old and like, look to describe my theater experience. It's like I never left my house to go see that movie in the theaters. I went like at least like thirty minutes into the movie, people were just getting up to go to the bathroom randomly. I swear, God, people were probably to like doing shit in the, in the, you know, the walkways. I just didn't see it. Like there was a, just everyone just got like slouched back, just like, oh God, like it was a collective. And it was just like, oh God, we paid for this, and none of us want to leave because we just paid money to see this, and we here. We're going to suffer through it.
0: It's hilarious. The Sixth Sense was a phenomenal hit. 672 million on a budget of 40 million. Everyone was like, who is this guy? He was up for a bunch of Oscars. The film was a huge award, darling. And everyone was, you know, when Unbreakable came out, they're like, oh, shit, he's got another one. Signs comes out. Oh, shit, there's another one. Like, this was a big deal. I remember him being, like, you know, touted as, like, the next A-list director. And yeah, as we talked about on the happening, that didn't well happen.
1: Yeah. No, like I said, I remember I remember like, you know, when I got introduced to this movie, and like I said, my aunt's being like, hey, I heard really you like horror. This this movie is supposed to be really, really good. I don't even think she saw it yet. She would like it was my aunt that liked to buy movies, but then she'd keep in like the cellophane. He's always messed with her about it. And um uh, and uh she was like, Look, I've heard it's really good, it's you know let's watch it you know i fucking fell in love with it she i think she i remember i think uh she liked it it's been years but um yeah i remember like everyone was talking about this movie my whole family all my like aunts uncles cousins like oh my god the sixth sense is such a good movie you have to watch the sixth sense and i'm just like little me being like what the host you're talking about so my aunt finally was like hey i got it let's watch it
0: i watched it at a young age i think i was like seven or eight years old maybe younger and uh the scene where, um, Cole like the little girl shows up in the tent with like the vomit dripping from her mouth, scared me so bad I had to sleep in my mom's bed. And I was like, "Can I? Did I stay here?" So,
1: for, for me, it's a scene in the kitchen when he reveals what he's been seeing in the kitchen all along. I don't know why that freaks me out as a kid. I'm like, the kitchen's not safe. <laughs> it's weird. These, you know, like you said, he doesn't go and
0: like you know too far into. You know, real true horror, but he toes that line just enough to get under my skin, and he did that to me twice.
1: <laughs> and
0: it's 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 weird. Like when he's good, he is very good.
1: Yes, like when like when he is firing, it's like holy, really. Like M Night, the best way to describe it is like to me in my experience, has been either I really like his movies or I just really hate them. Like there's never been an in between where I'm like that one was okay. Yeah, i've always been like i fucking this movie is great oh i'm like god damn fuck this movie <laughs> i yep totally understand
0: well before we get into our awards for the sixth sense i thought this would be a fun project uh, i tried to do this before didn't take but now i have you and i think it's gonna take
1: uh what if it doesn't well it just falls on your face two times in a row
0: then i'll know it's my fault <laughs> but i doubt it uh The sixth sense is one of the very few horror films to be nominated for best picture. Horror has not been represented well at the Academy, throughout its 95 year run. Uh, only 11 horror films that I could find have actually been up for the top prize. So I thought we'd talk about these films and see if they deserve to be there and maybe brainstorm some other horror classics that should have been up for the top prize. Uh, so we're going to go, you know,
1: uh, I got some recent ones I can talk about. Go on.
0: We're going to go chronologically. Uh these are the 11 horror films that I could find. I am going to stretch the definition of horror just a bit to include some thrillers. But uh let's start
1: yeah, again. Yeah, again for as we talk about for recording, I accept horror adjacent. I'll take if it has even a little flavor of it. It's all okay in my book. Yeah.
0: A nice nice bouquet.
1: Yeah. A yeah. little spice if you will.
0: Yeah, when you when you smell those those little notes you're like, "Oh, I'm home." <laughs> that's that's what we're talking about here. <laughs> uh, starting with 1941's Suspicion. Uh, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, stars Joan Fontaine as a psychologically distressed woman who is convinced that her scumbag con man husband, played by Cary Grant, is planning to kill her for the insurance money. It's not a purebred horror, but it's a disturbing enough psychological thriller that paved the way for many after it. Uh, Joan Fontaine won Best Actress; it was also up for Best Original Score. Uh, and I know you've—I think you've got this in your collection.
1: Your did, you wa- did, did you just watch me pull it out? I did. I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah." <laughs> He's going. I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking right now. What, what year did it come out? Forty-one. Forty-one. Oh wow! I started asked backwards. That was a horrible idea on my part. <laughs> rope shadow of a doubt no it's not in here what the hell suspicion yeah no nope. it starts with saboteur hmm. it ends with well oh, those are his tv shows
0: that's a nice set
1: family plot yeah I, dude i got like it was like 70 bucks or less money on amazon i was like fuck yes that's nice i recommend suspicion it is a very smart movie uh it, it has elements only- in it. It's been one I've been wanting to watch. It's a Hitchcock film that's on my list. So sorry to start this out disappointing your end, but I haven't no, seen f- it. Yet.
0: I know um, you hadn't seen it, but you know I, this is my plug because I want you to see this. I will do it on Oscar Sunday at some point. It's a great movie. We haven't done enough Hitchcock. We've only done like I think we did Rear Window and uh, uh, Spellbound. I think that's all we've done with Hitchcock.
1: Okay, you uh, know what? Hey, real quick. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you said 1941, right? Yeah, this set starts in 1942, literally a year later.
0: Ah, there it is. Fuck. (laughs) Yeah, Hitchcock was making movies, you know, from like the late 20s to the 70s.
1: With that said, quick plug, like Connor said, awesome set. It's on Amazon. Alfred Hitchcock, the ultimate collection, has a shit ton of movies, plus episodes of his TV shows. Both uh, the best of the Alfred Hitchcock Hour and Alfred Hitchcock Presents.
0: That is nice. That's beautiful. Once I have some some, some folding money off to get my hands on that collection yes uh but i do recommend it there's moments that are you know it keeps you guessing the whole time is carrie grant on the up and up is he really planning to kill her is she just crazy it keeps you guessing to the end and even in the end you're still not sure you're like i don't know like you could read it that yes that was a murder attempt or you could read it as oh she's just seeing things it's a very smart psychological thriller and i think without suspicion maybe other horror films down the road do not get uh recognized
1: yeah no i'm i look i it's one i want to check out uh admittedly i have been wanting that's why i got got the set cuz my hitchcock is limited I, i'm very aware of all of his work but i've only really sat through like psycho the whole way through i have seen birds once when i was a kid cuz my mom was watching it um so i that's why i got the set to finally like be like i need to watch more hitchcock and this set's a great entry point so it's yeah, I'll definitely check out um, Suspicion. Yeah, Hitchcock is one of those
0: guys like we all kind of know all of his movies, but we haven't necessarily seen them, but we know him. It's, it's very strange. Uh, I've been trying to make it make an effort to actually watch a lot of these films. And thanks to Oscar Sunday, a lot of them have been kind of prep work because they've been nominated alongside other stuff we've talked about. Like I watched Rebecca when we did The Great Dictator, and that was a great drama.
1: Strangers on a Train. I've seen that one. And that's a great cool. movie. That's that movie. movie was great. Yeah. God, I love that one. That's an awesome movie. Um, I really like Lifeboat. I watched that one on a whim,
0: and that was just pure like paranoia
1: thriller. It was great. Yeah. He had very interesting titles. I like his, his titles are very to the point. Yeah, very yeah. It's a lifeboat. That's there it is. There are
0: strangers and they're on a train. Jimmy Stewart's looking through the rear window. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> he is indeed a psycho. There are birds. You see them? They're right there. They're attacking. <laughs> Her like name that. is Marnie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, he's he's done a lot of work, and uh, I'm looking forward to kind of digging into that stuff. But yeah, Suspicion is just a really good one. Okay. There wasn't another horror film nominated till 1971, and that was A Clockwork Orange.
1: Oh, I've seen Clockwork. I fucking love Clockwork. Oh, yeah.
0: Stanley Kubrick tells the story of sadistic teenage rapist Alex, played by Malcolm McDowell. As he rapes
1: and murders his way through a
0: futuristic London before he gets committed and brainwashed into behaving like a decent member of society. He was also up for director, adapted screenplay, and film editing.
1: I feel like you set me up a little bit because I say I love that movie in the first air in your mouth. So the movie's about a rapist who goes around raping? <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> oh, like what? Well, I'm supposed to lie about the content of this
0: film? <laughs> you knew what we were going to talk about.
1: <laughs> there is more to it but there is there's quite a bit in the in the film it is a tough
0: film to sell to people who haven't seen it you are like oh what's one of your favorite movies a clockwork orange oh what the, what's that about
1: well uh <laughs> malcolm mcdowell's in it and they talk funny and he likes milk <laughs> <laughs> that yeah that's one way to describe the movie yeah you like singing in the rain you want after the movie yeah
0: gene kelly sure as hell didn't he was really upset about that <laughs> But not for the reason you think. He wasn't pissed about the rape scene. He was pissed he didn't get paid. <laughs> yeah. Gene Kelly was a bastard.
1: I you know, mean, um, I shouldn't be surprised. This is the same system that allowed Marilyn Manson to go on and be a, a huge artist when it's found out that he was also at the same time assaulting a fucking minor. So shouldn't sure be surprised. Well, that's a hell of a jump, but okay. I'm just saying, like, apparently Hollywood in general has just been like, We are going to hide the monsters away. It's fine. True. You just saw them on the image.
0: <laughs> well, Clockwork is one of those movies that like I despised the first time I watched it, and then the second time I watched it, I thought it was brilliant. Well, so- I loved
1: it the first time. I again, I guess I'm a bastard, but I I fell in love the first time I watched it. <laughs>
0: Fair enough it's uh, one of the few x-rated films to be up for best picture i think the only other one is midnight cowboy which actually won but uh clockwork lost to the french connection which hard to argue with that that's a fantastic movie uh but malcolm mcdowell got robbed of a best actor nomination like it's his best work he is phenomenal as alex
1: oh yeah no malcolm mcdowell like and what the hell happened to his career after this but um he is great in this movie he everything like he's a commitment he made to like this character is outstanding he should have been nominated um was Kubrick at all nominated for like adapted screenplay by chance I know this is based off a book also
0: yeah he was up for director and adapted screenplay for this
1: okay as well say if he didn't get any kind of nomination he should have gotten something I'd say what you were about that dude and how fucking psychopathic he was but God damn, his movies are good. Like I like a lot of his
0: movies. Kubrick only won one Oscar in his career, and it was for visual effects for two thousand one, *A Space Odyssey*. What the fuck? I know he didn't. He never won director. He never won screenplay. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I wonder if Hollywood was like, "No, nah, you made Shelly Duvall fucking quit." The business let's let's slow a roll here bro Yeah,
0: i think it's safe to say hollywood never cared about shelly duval
1: no no they didn't which is why i was so trepidatious about this new film coming out with her me and i'm like i forgot if you're using this poor lady which uh by the way the people who are doing it uh quick side note um they did an interview with her clearly in fucking blanco um because like well they were filming it they're like yeah we're at this beautiful state park and i was watching the the interview she's in her car um, they're talking there, and the whole time I'm watching I'm like, I know what park that is. I was like, that's the route. I rode my bike every fucking day in middle school <laughs> or in elementary. I was like, I know exactly where that is. That's cool.
0: Why was she in her car?
1: I, t- I don't know. I mean, she's seen fine then at the end. She started kind of doing her like, oh, isn't it pretty out here? And I'm like, Shelly, you've lived here since I was a child and longer. Come on. you Come on.
0: Yeah, this is going to be Interesting when this when this new film comes out. We'll see. But uh yeah, Clockwork freaked everybody out. There's no way it was taking best picture. I mean, it was up against
1: films like Fiddler on the Roof. That's a that's a that's a leap. Yeah, yeah. It I mean, and and that was the point of the movie though with Clockwork, like it was meant to be transgressive because it was tackling this idea of like, can you especially at the time it came out, the counterculture and stuff kind of going strong. Um, this idea of like, can we take these people and fix them, you know, in quote unquote? And to me, the movie's only gotten more like creepily realistic in more recent years. With like, you know, on the on a more like not as serious scale, but whenever someone looks at metalheads or horror lovers and they're like, oh, you, how dare you like that? Like, we need to fix you. It's a fake, you know what I mean? But obviously, with like, you know, on a more much more serious note, you're the gay conversion camps that still exist to this day. You know, this phone kind of taps into that kind of idea of like we can convert these people, we can change them, you know, like we can make the rapist not be a rapist. And it's like not how that works. Not how it works at all.
0: Well, the movie, you know, it it brings up the idea of like if you're fucking with around with somebody's brain, aren't you just as bad as the person mm-hmm. who's committing these crimes? Like, aren't you just yeah. you know, raping their mind? Like yeah. it's yeah, it reminds me of a line from Sons of Anarchy where uh Mitch Pelegi, who played like the uh, the head of the Aryan Brotherhood in this one area in California, was approached by like a legit Nazi like businessman who wanted him to do something. And Pelegi was trying to get out of the game. And Pelegi said, My favorite line in the show, which was, How dirty do I have to get to be as clean as you? And I was like, ah shit. That's profound. And it it really fits for clockwork. It's like, how horrific do I have to act to be the good guy?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like it's a it's a hell of a film. I, I really want to do it on, on Oscar Sunday so we can kind of explore
1: these oh, yeah.
0: themes at, at length. But uh yeah, yeah.
1: and it's then awesome. it, it, well, like I said, also and then the explosion at the end don't like does it even work? Because then you have that hint at the end that nothing they did worked. Yeah. Like mean, you All can't fix none. people. yeah, you can't fix people like this. Like you can't take someone who is you know, in the case of the film, a rapist and make them not like. As disgusting as, and more as it is, that's who they are. It's what they're going to do. The best thing you can do is lock their ass up. Mm-hmm. And then just like, again, kind of with the conversion camps, like you can't change someone's sexuality no matter how hard you fucking try. That's who they are.
0: You can't rewire someone's brain chemistry to fit your idea of normalcy, no matter how aggressive or innocent they may be. People are different and people, you know, are going to do what they are going to do. And it's presumptuous of you to think that you can make them act the way you want them to act. Yeah. It's a great movie. It's fucked (laughs)
1: up, but it's a great movie. Oh yeah. that's what I say, man, sometimes I always say with like horror metal music, like sometimes you got to look, I know it can be a lot, but you have to look behind the, the surface of like what you're seeing to really dig into like what they're trying to say a lot of times with these types of films and, you know, the type of music sometimes. Very true.
0: Um, that very very next year, we got another one. 1972's Deliverance. A group of city boys go canoeing in the backwoods of Tennessee. Get attacked by the inbred, deranged locals. The film is notorious for its graphic rape scene that made famous the phrase "squeal like a pig." Was also nominated for best director for John Borman and best film editing. This lost best picture to The Godfather. No one is going to argue otherwise, I imagine.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Deliverance, but no, I'm not arguing that one. Um, yeah, no, it's it's funny because this that movie like really kind of lulls you in that like you're watching it at first, you're like, okay, what is what this movie that everyone's talking about? I don't get it. It's just, you know, fucking Burt Reynolds and like other fucking dudes just hanging out and having a good time. That's it. And you're like, I don't get this. And then you get to that scene, you're like, holy shit, what when did this happen? What what I don't like this.
0: Yeah, it turns into survival horror briefly and then kind of just goes back to being a camping trip. Which irritated me because I was expecting a full-blown, you know, I thought the whole thing was going to be the survival horror, but it's really just watching guys canoe for like two hours, yeah. which kind of well, bummed me out.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I know they try to get uh, revenge afterwards, um, but then you get that, and to me, one of the more haunting moments is when you realize, like, the town is, like, in on it, and they're just like, look, you need to leave now. Like, that to me is haunting the idea of, like, small-town America saying, like, we weren't going to do anything about it, so you guys, we'll do something about you, or you leave. Take it, take it or leave it. Yeah, yeah, that idea
0: of, you know, there's no help out there because you're an outsider is a scary idea that you can be in this situation, and there's no way out. There's no, there's no justice. You just got to hope you can get the hell out of here. Uh, yeah, I, I want to watch it again with like knowing what to expect. I think if I watch it again with this mindset, I'll like it a lot more. It just my yeah. first watch, I, I I had different expectations.
1: I, I think I think when anyone when, when it comes to liverance, you I I implore anyone to actually like don't try to overhype it to someone. Like it's one of those films where like you have to watch it a certain way or else it's going to be overhyped because so many people hone in on what essentially is like maybe a 10-15 minute segment of the film at most. No, And like it doesn't worry about like the part with the film, and I'm not. It's not like it's tricking you; it's getting you into like to get invested in these characters. So like, that's the whole point, you know. T- no one talks about that part or afterwards when they are trying to get their revenge, but it's very much like methodically paced still. And then, obviously, like I do think the ending should be talked about more. Because to me, that is an incredibly haunting. Anyone, the sheriff's just like, look, leave, or we're taking care of you. There is no help here. Um, <laughs> it's a different kind of order yeah like that is fucking haunting to me um because there are small towns like that absolutely um especially in america uh but yeah like don't i employ one try not to get overhyped in your head because obviously that that moment is like and everyone knows especially thanks to south park with that one episode which don't get me wrong it's a fucking hilarious episode and i was laughing my ass off <laughs> but Skrill like a pig. Skrill.
0: Oh my god.
1: (laughs) He he raped the stormtrooper.
0: Oh, that was so fucked up. That was too real. That episode was too real.
1: (laughs) It's one of my favorite episodes, so I fucking love that (laughs) whole arc. It wasn't like two or three episodes too.
0: No, that that one was just was just one episode. Uh but it was like they did a bunch of different. They they parodied a
1: bunch of different rape movies, which was just uncomfortable. <laughs> I was laughing, especially like that. It wasn't. That was the same episode where like Butters and Cartman hold up the Casa Bonita. <laughs> in my Butters, kidding? yeah, because I remember Butters kept shooting everyone in the dick. That kept trying. to Yeah, it was
0: the the Chinese. <laughs> it was the Chinese restaurant because like Cartman was you know thought the Chinese were gonna invade america and that's what that's where home base was
1: yeah because <laughs> that's what got them saved was like when it they was, the like, they, that was
0: the pf Changs? that's that was there was the okay yeah
1: and every time a SWAT member came in butters would shoot and they got hit in the dick and carmen stop shooting them in the dick <laughs> and remember, i remember because they got saved because one of the cops comes in he was like they got him they got them the guys who rigged Spillbrook and lucas they got they finally put them away
0: Oh, boy. Uh, moving on. A year Ooh. later. Deliverance. Good movie. Though, real yeah. quick. Good movie. Perhaps the most famous horror film to be nominated for Best Picture. Ooh. 1973. The Exorcist. Considered one of the scariest movies ever made. We did it on Filmgasm on episode 52. And spoiler alert. This year's the 50th anniversary. So we'll probably be doing it this year on Oscar Sunday.
1: I've heard rumors of a 4K coming out. And if it's worth it i'm fucking upgrading
0: i've got a shitty dvd i need to upgrade
1: yeah i got i mean i got a blu-ray but it includes both like the theatrical and the unrated cut mm, that sounds good so, okay. yes yeah, So yeah so i i kind of need this 4k to actually like i said and be worthy or i'm just sticking with the blu-ray half because i like having two cuts of the film
0: yes yes indeed uh a young girl is possessed by the demon pazuzu A pair of priests are the only ones who can save her it won Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Sound Mixing. was also nominated uh, Best Actress for Ellen Burstyn, Best Supporting Actor for Jason Miller, Best Supporting Actress for Linda Blair, Best Director for William Friedkin, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, and Best Film Editing. This thing blew up the Oscars. Lost to The Sting, which I still haven't seen, but I've heard is really good. Uh, but the legacy of this film cannot be undersold. This thing changed the game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah all, all its wins all its nominations, well deserved like this film I don't think I've been on a show that we've actually talked about it, I believe
0: no Austin and I did the film Gasm and uh we've been saving it for this year for Oscar Sunday all
1: right I'll, I'm gonna say now I want to be on on here for I want to be on Oscar Sunday for it. I'm saying that right now on air awesome you listen to this write that down uh <laughs> <laughs> no like Exus is like it it is like it's kind of like one that, to me it's like Texas Chancellor Massacre, Halloween. It's a film that, like, what can I possibly say to that? to conversation that has been said. Like, that mo- movie is fantastic. Ruben Friedkin is on point with his direction. Um, Ellen Bernstein is great. She's always great, though. Um, Reagan, Lin- Linda Blair, there you go. She's, I was mind blinking. She is fantastic in a, in a performance that asks so much out of her. Um, but one of the all time, like, scenes forever ingrained in my head, with having to witness a crucifix get jammed into a fucking vagina, and hearing, "Do you know what your cunting daughter did?" Like, oh, yeah. This was, head- you know, this
0: was the early seventies. I mean, people weren't prepared for this shit. Like, this was, you know, I mean, there have been, you know, some there've been horror films like Last House and the Left and whatnot, but. Major Hollywood productions were still kind of easing their way into, you know, full blown crazy shit like this. So for Freed, can just go for it? I mean, Linda Blair had to do the talk show circuit to convince people she wasn't actually the devil
1: because yeah. people are fucking stupid. This is one of those films that has like the legendary status of like, apparently, people were like passing, you know, it, it has kind of like Terrifier 2 last year, right? It has that status of people like passing down and puking in the theater and all that crazy shit. Um, and I mean, for 70s, I get it. I know some people are looking at it and go, it's not even that bad, it's kind of tame. Like, yeah, now, but like in the 70s, like, and like you said, like, yeah, the 70s was the decade of auteur filmmaking and pushing the boundaries where you could finally do films, thanks to the Hayes Code getting fucking demolished finally. What, I mean, like I said, that scene alone, you weren't seeing shit like that in mainstream movies. Like, you yeah. weren't seeing a cruise Wicks go up or a, a, a young ladies, I should say, a kid's, uh, vagina, and saying the word. You know, I'll say again one more time: saying the word "cunt" on fucking film in America because we view that word much differently than the rest of the world. Uh, in a movie about the devil possessing a child,
0: yes, and, like people. You know, this this
1: freaked people out. This was this was different. This was freaky. I, I yeah, remember the reading... subliminal messaging that you see throughout the film. I I don't want to say messaging because I always have negative heteronormative, but like subliminal like images that pop up that freak you out. Yeah. One of the extras was an active
0: serial killer. That's a weird one.
1: I, I did not know. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, I think I've heard this story before.
0: Yeah, one of the nurses in the hospital scene was an active serial killer who just happened to be working on the film that day.
1: Yeah, I think I've heard that story before. Like that—that's a recent thing that's been found out a couple of years ago, I believe. Yeah, fucking insane! Like he drove to—he
0: drove to set with like bodies in his trunk. Like he was mid kill spree, but he had to go to work that day. <laughs> Like I want to I want to look into that shit and find like find out exactly what that was all about but you know Exorcist had you know there was like a curse attached to the film like people oh. took this seriously they were like the devil was there and I'm like probably not
1: but still a good movie oh it's a great it's one of the best horror films like ever fucking made to me like this movie is great and it probably hits more for me because again for you know if you guys haven't heard at this point you know I was raised catholic I'm, I'm not religious let me put that out there um but i was raised catholic so like this maybe hit me in the way like you know being raised in that setting would um as far as like holy shit like if god's you know and it does ask that question well if, if you think god is real then that means you inherently accept that demons are real yeah because uh, there is not just good only there's bad. And, you know, if you're going to accept that there is a God, there's also demons trying to do harmful things, which this movie beautifully does explore with Father Karis and his loss of faith and like him having to accept, like, oh my God, this is real.
0: Yeah. There's a great story about, you know, a call to action about, you know, finding out like this is my purpose on earth. I have to save this girl. And I, I love that. And it's, it's a great story. For him. And then I love the resolution we get on that in Exorcist 3. It's, those two movies are—it's a—you know—Exorcist Two can go fuck itself, but one and three, those are amazing movies.
1: Isn't it amazing? Like, like uh, the odd-numbered films, basically, in the Exorcist series are really good, but both the even-numbered sequels suck. Yeah, that's you know that's how it works.
0: Same—it's—it's it's the same thing with the the Star Trek franchise. Like, all the even number movies are good.
1: Does that does that mean this trilogy that David Gordon Green is daring to touch after the shit he did with Halloween ends? Does that mean that the first one's going to be good? The middle chapter will be probably Halloween Ends level of shit, and the the third one will actually be good again? Well, if we can go by
0: the Halloween films that he did, the first one's going to be fantastic. The second one's going to be divisive, and people are going to want him dead for the third one. It's like he's signing his own death wish at this point. (laughs) We'll see. I mean, that
1: thing's like set for an October 2023 release date, so... It is. There that is know. fine to me. He's like, all right, well, I did it once for Halloween. Now let me just do it all again for Exorcist.
0: It is kind of weird. There's been no, like,
1: studio pushback on that. They're like, well, good luck, Dave. Good like <laughs> You can't possibly, like, do this again, right? You can give a good trilogy this time, right? <laughs> Dave? Um... <laughs> uh... Yeah,
0: the exorcist. After that, we had Jaws, 1975.
1: If you don't know Jaws, uh why are you here? If you don't know Jaws, go swim in the ocean and um Jaws will him. find you. Yes. You can ask him all about it. If you start hearing dun dun, dun dun, 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 get out of the water. Swim far, swim deep, you will find him. <laughs> you might find his his, his uh, ripped-off cousin known as the Meg, if you swim deep enough.
0: I love the, the idea that Jaws just has a cousin named Meg.
1: right? But it's a Meg. Oh. I'm just picturing My a shark God. with that pink hat. I, <laughs> I was saying because the Meg was so inherent fucking ripping off Jaws the movie, which is shocking because it's based off a book. Why was it ripping off a movie when it's based off a book? Every shark movie rips off Jaws. You can't top Jaws. You can't. Shark
0: movie has been done to perfection. Anything else is just not going to live up.
1: You know what's funny? The Meg, I would have liked it if I got it, one, R-rated, and two, Jason Statham fighting a Megalodon. I got neither.
0: What you? What they better do in part two is there's another Megalodon, so Jason Statham teams up with like a hyper-intelligent Great White and fights that shark with the Great White. He, he talks to the Great White. The Great White is voiced. It's fucking King Shark from *Suicide Squad*.
1: So it's Stallone.
0: Yes, <laughs> I want that movie. <laughs> uh anyway, *Jaws*—greatest shark movie ever made. One, one of the top three greatest horror films of all time. It won Best Original Score for John Williams, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Film Editing. It only didn't win Best Picture.
1: That's a shame. Do get nominated at least.
0: Yeah. We're talking about it.
1: Oh, wait, yeah, duh. This is nominations. I'm an idiot. Uh
0: it lost God. to one flew over the cuckoo's nest, which is a fantastic movie. But if it's personal preference, I get, you know it's Jaws.
1: You're gonna pick Jaws? Okay. I haven't seen one flew over the Cuckoo's Nest yet, so I can't say my I've been wanting to, I've heard really good things. Right. Um but yeah, dude, Jaws, like you said, it's one of the greatest films like ever probably ever made just in general. Um again and I'm gonna say I know I mentioned it when we were when back when we were doing the write-ins, we're trying to figure out how to get me and like Josh on here. Um and I put it in my write-in and I'll bring it up again. But not only is it, you know, all, all the stuff we know about it, it's one of the earliest, if not like the first film to have people talking over each other, to start having realistic conversations since film was finally moving away from it being more like stage where even when people argue they they let them argue, and then they the other one talks. Now, I'm done arguing, now you talk. And it's not really arguing, it's a debate, because if anyone who's ever been in a fight knows, it, people talking over one another because they're getting heated. Um, and Spielberg started doing that a lot with his films, where people talked over one another. So another fun fact about that is that this one of the earliest ones to start doing that. But uh, also, I had the uh, one thing I knew up. We I had the pleasure last year on it, it's, I believe 40th? 50th? Anniversary over Labor Day to see it in theaters in 3D and it was stunning. Um, The 3D was fucking top notch the water the way they did it was like the water was like right in my face so it felt like I was in the water while I was watching it Um, it was so good I felt like you know some of the best like post post conversion I've seen in a long time with 3D and just seeing it on the big screen was like an absolute delight. I cannot fucking gush about that enough. Seeing this film on the big screen, it was so wonderful. Seeing, it. luckily, I wasn't the only one. There, I was probably like the youngest one there, but there were other people, so it was like all of us having a good time watching Jaws on the big screen. It's delightful.
0: Uh, yeah, Austin and I did a screening at Draft House uh, a few years ago. We got shark fin hats and just had a grand old time, just enjoying Jaws uh we did this on oscar sunday i believe last year and uh i love that the three of us for our philip seymour hoffman award all picked one of the three main characters that was that was that was neat
1: oh yeah that's right
0: (laughs) josh is awesome uh that was great next up we got 1987's fatal attraction
1: I haven't seen this one yet. This is one that has eluded me.
0: This is a good movie. This is a... It's freaky, because you know, it's it's too real. Um, A married man has an affair with a woman who begins to stalk him when he tries to break it off, and shit gets worse than that. It was also up for Best Actress for Glenn Close, Best Supporting Actress for Ann Archer, Best Director for Adrian Lin, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. And this one is... It's a really disturbing movie because of how realistic it is and how there really is no hero because everyone in this is a piece of shit except Ann Archer she's just the wife who gets jilted here feel bad for her don't feel bad for Michael Douglas he made his decision now he's got to deal with it yeah uh,
1: I know uh, Prime's doing a reboot I think it's one of the streams are doing like a, a reboot with Lizzie Kaplan and yeah. so
0: they're turning it into a series which doesn't make any sense
1: yeah it's like a series and they're gender switching it which that part makes sense like more, if you're going to reinvent it, yeah, to know probably the most obvious a- answer.
0: I guess. I mean, or they could just, you know, try to write something new. That's always an option too.
1: No, that's that's silly. How dare you? <laughs>
0: well, yeah, Fatal Attraction's is interesting because it starts out pretty tame. You know, it's, Michael Douglas is on a business trip. He runs into Glenn Close and, you know, they flirt and he's like, I'm married and she's like, I don't care. And he's like, well, I don't care either. And so they hook up and then you know they date for a while and they keep hooking up and then he's like i love my wife i'm gonna go back to her and she's like no 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 you love me you love me (laughs) and it just gets worse from there she starts sabotaging his life and killing their pets and it turns she goes full slasher by the end of this movie and it's it's a good one It's it's a good slow burn and a very uh Interesting story. Like when it was on um Bravo's scariest movie moments, the joke was that, like, it was so scary, it scared the pants back onto men. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, any I mean, dude who's ever th- thought about cheating on his wife, watch
1: this first and then maybe reconsider. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't condone cheating at all. Now, you know, I know nowadays we live in a world of like ethically non monogamous relationships, open relationships. That's whatever. Like, I, yeah. That does like that's an agreed upon thing between you and your loved one. Yeah. That's, that's fine. The, that's the thing though. If you're
0: gonna do that shit, you make sure everyone's on the same page first.
1: Yeah, but like, yeah, I I don't condone cheating, but yeah, like, I I had heard the joke like this is a film that will make you reek through because like you don't know what other side of it you're getting. Like you know your wife, or like or your husband, you know whatever whoever your you know you're significant other is, you're married to them. Um, you don't know the person you're just saying. I'm going to sleep with this person behind my significant other's back. You don't know who that person is. Yeah. And in this movie, you know, Glenn Close is absolutely
0: insane. And it's, she plays so well. She plays crazy. So well, one you know, the iconic line, I won't be ignored. Dan has become so just unnerving. And of course all the shit with the rabbit, but yeah, uh, yeah definitely a horror classic. You you should put on your, uh, on your list.
1: No, I, I I need to. I will. Um, I I've been wanting to watch it, especially because like I guess it's especially with the show that got announced. Um, you know, some people have been going back on t- the like, oh, this thing has an age role because it makes women look crazy, um, thing when they get cheated on and blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, I'm not saying like anything against the film and what you your take on it is, but like, Jesus Christ, guys, let's just calm down. Like, if anything, it's shown why you. You shouldn't be a sleaze bag and cheat. Are you telling me this never
0: happens? you tell me that when relationships turn sour, people don't go insane? Like, that's never yeah.
1: happened? I've, I've heard about it happening when there hasn't been cheating. It just fucking happens.
0: Yeah. My, I hate that shit. It's like, well, it makes women look bad. It's like, well,
1: no, it doesn't. It makes this woman look bad. Don't generalize. People are different. I, Black Christmas 2019 makes men look bad, but we haven't been bringing it up unless it's for the podcast.
0: Yeah it's just largely forgot it That's such a terrible argument You can poke holes in all day long Oh my god It's like saying Friday the 13th makes goalies look bad It's like not every goalie On the hockey team is homicidal I'm sure some of them are but not all of them
1: Jesus Christ <laughs> um, Every goalie in hockey Is out to fucking murder Anyone in a Christmas sweater Is a dream killer No not true. That, that puck is not getting into this net. I will kill you. <laughs> oh, I hate that shit. That, that
0: pissed me off. Now I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> um, next up, uh, another episode that we all did together 1991's The Silence of the Lambs, the only horror flick to date that actually swept the Oscars. An FBI cadet is assigned to interview notorious imprisoned serial killer Hannibal Lecter, takes a liking to her, agrees to help her hunt another killer. This was huge. It won Best Picture, Best Actor for Anthony Hopkins, Best Actress for Jodie Foster, Best Director for Jonathan Demme, and Best Adapted Screenplay. It was also nominated for Sound Mixing and Film Editing. So, Lambs, everyone was on board with that. Like, okay, this is a masterpiece.
1: Oh, and
0: yeah. Fuck anyone who says this isn't a horror movie. This is. bring that up. Yeah, this is full-blooded horror. You can't get it on board with that. Well, go away.
1: Yeah, fuck. Yeah, look, fuck anyone that tries to say that bullshit. And, and, and honestly, if we're going to get to the root cross, fuck the Oscars for pulling that shit for people to go with. For going, oh shit, we really like this horror film. Call it a suspense. Anything but that, and we're cool with it. So that's what they did. And then they were like, okay, yeah, we're cool. We, we nominated this suspense movie. It's not horror. You silly gooses. <laughs> so yeah, oh. no, fuck, fuck the Oscars that. But with that said, like, yes, this is one of the most well-deserving fucking uh, wins uh, that horror has gotten because Silence of the just a fucking masterpiece of a film. There's only three films in history that won the
0: big five at the Oscars and one of them is a horror movie. Doesn't that feel good?
1: It does feel good. And I love when people try to fucking, oh, it's not. I'm like, no, it is. We got, we got the Oscar gold. We got it. <laughs> ah, yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed that
0: episode. That was our 100th over here on Oscar Sunday. That was we saved that one for a very special occasion, and we uncorked that wine, and boy, did it go down smooth.
1: Yeah, wasn't that the one where I, like I had to get wasn't a uh, an also like a best picture showdown? I had yeah. to get through all those films.
0: Yeah, you had to watch Beauty and the Beast, JFK, The Prince of Tides, and uh, every time I do this, I always forget the last one.
1: <laughs> Honestly, that was another one I had to watch. Yeah. Goddamn, uh, it's, it's gonna bother me. One second. <laughs> i just remember thinking like because you were like wait you did that I was like for this movie i will do it <laughs> yeah because you know it's a, it's a it's a showdown we gotta we can't just not do that. bugsy that was the other one bugsy okay yeah and
0: you liked pretty much all of
1: them yeah yeah i don't <laughs> know if i'd go back to a lot of them but yeah yeah fair enough i mean jfk was
0: three hours long and prince of tides was really sad
1: yeah really depressing <laughs> at the end i was like god damn it like I, even i was sitting there going, "Yes." Get get with her, get with her. You were Barbara Streisand, you got this, Nick Nolte. And then like his wife's like, no, I love you. I was like, you bitch, you goddamn bitch. (laughs) Jesus.
0: Uh, I remember you were also gonna do the Godfather Best Picture showdown at first, and then we started doing the movies, and uh, there was one that we could only get if Austin bought it and like had a physical copy sent to us. So we were like, buddy, it's not gonna work out. And I think you were grateful because those movies were not. I mean, holy oh shit. yeah,
1: when I saw them, I was like, "Look, okay, I like The Godfather, but I'm not watching these films with The Godfather."
0: That was like a th- over three hour long Danish drama about farming and immigration, and holy shit! I, oh,
1: it was. N- Why was it there?
0: I still see, am like I'm still pissed that I had to watch the immigrants.
1: And see, if I know you didn't like it that much, I would have fucking despised it. <laughs> I mean, there was that. It was Sounder, which was also Pointless. Cabaret,
0: which I liked. I don't think you would have liked. And, um... God damn, again. Like, <laughs> the last one. It always happens. Like this. I can't remember the other fucking movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, this is great. Every time... <laughs> it is. It's, it's uncanny. And I don't know why this always happens. It's annoying. Um...
1: Take your time. We're not recording
0: or anything right now. Oh, Believe me, at this point they know what I'm about. <laughs> the 45th Oscars it
1: was... I, I I wish we had like a fucking visual part to this. We just seeing... Oh fuck, it was
0: Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> we just talked about
1: it. Yeah, so yeah,
0: I'm, I think you feel free to come on Oscar Sunday whenever you want. I just feel like the showdowns might be
1: a little overwhelming. It really depends on the year Maybe some of the more recent years where there's more films I actually liked, that's a little different, but yeah. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> well, after
0: that, after Lambs, uh, was 99's The Sixth cents, which we're going to talk about at length in a bit here, so we'll skip that for now. Okay. 2010's Black Swan was the next one,
1: damn, not till 2010, Fuck not till man. 2010,
0: the entire 2000s, not a single horror film up for best picture.
1: Wow uh i actually quite enjoyed black Swan. i remember it was funny. i was dating this chick in high school and we were looking for something to rent and i suggested black swan knowing what was in the movie because i think it was like well i'm going to see that and i had to convince her to watch it for a different reason but it was fine and uh i got to see my scene i was happy That's a- but besides that really good movie i actually do really like black swan a great story thank you for sharing that you're welcome. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta do things when it comes to like dating to convince someone why you need to see a movie together sometime. <laughs>
0: uh, a committed ballerina struggles to maintain her sanity after winning the lead role in Swan Lake, and her mental state just deteriorates. Film won Best Actress for Natalie Portman, was also up for Best Director for Darren Aronofsky, Best Cinematography, and Best Film Editing. Uh, 2010 Best Picture, that was the King's Speech. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. A lot of people were like, should have been the Facebook movie. And you're kind of right.
1: Sure, man. King's speech just looked so dumb to me. I gave zero shits about that movie.
0: It's about how George VI, who was never supposed to be king, had to be king anyway and had to overcome his stutter to give the speech to the nation.
1: You describing it still makes me not want to see it. I will fucking put acid on my eyes before I watch that movie. It's a pretty good movie. It's not like horrifically boring. It's not. It's pretty good. It's by the guy
0: who did Cats.
1: I'll watch Spookies again. How's that sound? <laughs> Stop trying to sell me on this movie because you're doing a horrible job. <laughs> yep, so, I know. <laughs> well,
0: Black Swan's an unnerving film, a bit hard to follow, very psychological, and uh, just kind of known more for, uh, for for something else than it is for its horror
1: slant. But still a decent watch. No, it's it's good. If you want to watch, like, I... It's to me if you, especially if you're into that type of film about like what obsession does to someone, I'd kind of like Whiplash. with obsession, right? Yeah, this is the
0: Whiplash but, for ballet.
1: Yeah, this is the film to go to. It's really good. It's Aronofsky firing on all cylinders before he started getting kind of weird in his later part of his career. I feel like um, I'm just I'm just so
0: happy he reined himself in for the whale.
1: Yeah, because I actually now that I think about it, this is like really the last Aronofsky film I liked because <laughs> after that I was like. Everything else came out know, that I just didn't fucking care for. Yeah. Um didn't like Noah,
0: didn't like Mother, but Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream were were superb.
1: Yes, they were. Yes. Um uh Natalie Portman, Melee Krios were great in this movie. Um Barbara Hershey, this was like really like her comeback when she started coming back and being in films again. Um, she was really, really good, very fucking unselling performance and what the with her what her character. So I, I, re- I actually really do recommend Black Swan to anyone. It's, it's pretty solid. I know like for a lot, especially because, again, I, I, you know, and I say, you know, I brought the story up because it came out when we were teenagers. So a lot of us guys were like, you, you know, Natalie Portman and me like, can you just make out in the movie? Like beyond that damn scene, great film. I mean, don't get me wrong, great scene, but like great film beyond that scene.
0: Indeed. And speaking of films with great scenes, next up is 2017's Get Out. Uh, black man travels to the deep south to meet his white, white his white girlfriend's seemingly progressive parents, only to find himself trapped in a horrific scenario from which there be there may be no escape. Uh, one best original screenplay for Jordan Peele was also nominated for best actor for Daniel Kaluuya and best director again for Jordan Peele. And uh, we did this one on Oscar Sunday as well. Uh, a lot of these we've 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 just done because they're great movies. And uh, Get Out holds up. I believe you were you were part of that one too. I believe so. Yeah. And we just had a grand old time celebrating that film and uh, definitely deserved to be there. I'm glad that it won Best Screenplay, which probably is its strongest suit.
1: Yeah, I I wish it had won much more willingly by its board members. I don't like how was the stupid, like, reported backlash from board members later, which was, to me, just was like, really, we're doing this after he gets it, you fucks? Um, but... <laughs> It was a deserve because the screenplay in that film was great, and I, I forget the nominations, but the other people we got nominated, but it absolutely probably deserved it over any of them.
0: Well, let's find out. That's what we
1: do here is so I mean, you can do that. I was going to live in blissful ignorance and just say like it deserved it over here or else the hell got nominated. You're at the, you're on the wrong
0: show for blissful ignorance. Here we learn.
1: It's just, you need us be on beyond the bad more often than you know. You're on it like every week
0: I'm there. Every how much more often can I be on that show? <laughs> <laughs> get Out beat The Big Sick, Lady Bird, The Shape of Water and Three Bo- Billboards Outside Ebbing Missouri.
1: Okay, again sorry, Austin, Shape of Water is a great movie and you need to rewatch it, but other than The Shape of Water, yeah, Get Out would I would give that screenplay 100% to Get Out.
0: Yeah, I think Three Billboards is probably its only real competition there and I think Martin mcdonald's going to get his time to shine this year with The Banshees of Inisherin uh so i'll take it everybody wins
1: yeah and again shape bar is a great film uh it's a good film it's not a great film let's calm down it's a great film now uh <laughs> uh yeah no get out no yeah, that was a fun episode i i'd love revisiting that film even though i I personally have enjoyed everything pill has done since with us and now nope i probably would say get out still my favorite of his but i i mean Again, he started kinda of, he's really saw the trend of like a comedy based, I should say like comedy background, like based um entertainer being able to break into like horror really well, like between him and now Zach uh Craig. Or if you've been following any news with him, like holy shit. He has like a new his new movie got announced. He has a deal now with New Line, like he fucking shot up thanks to Barbarian. And fuck yeah, because Barbarian was great. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah, it's so, being
0: i hoping maybe, you know, the more clout he gets,
1: the more chance we get of a physical release of Barbarian. It pisses me off. We still don't have Well, why? I'm like, especially with the shit going on with Max and now Paramount Plus. Yeah. I don't them. want
0: Barbarian to end up erased and thrown in some vault somewhere, which has been happening to a lot of content on these channels. So I, I want to be able to watch this thing. So let me buy it. Yeah, let me
1: physically own it so I can watch it whenever the hell I damn well please. Exactly. Ugh. Uh, the final film thus far,
0: and this is arguable, but I'm including it, 2019's Parasite. A poor Korean family manipulates and cheats their way into working for a wealthy family, starting a chain of events that leads to quite a lot of violent death. Uh, it was, this was one, uh, this was a showdown we did, uh, a few months back, which was a blast. We love this movie. It won Best Picture, Best Director for Bong Joon-ho best international film and best original screenplay was nominated for production design and best film editing. Not only is this a, I think it's a, I think it qualifies as a horror film, at least in part. It's also it the three, it does. Also the first foreign film ever to win best picture. And this, that makes this thing very significant in the history of awards and film. And, uh, i think it 100 earned it this movie's fucking phenomenal and it just gets better with each watch it's a great
1: story our uh, parasite is fantastic i i i got lucky and, and watched it um on like dvd or i think i streamed. no i was able to stream it before i went on my deployment um and yeah this this film was fucking great uh I and I look for those of you who haven't seen it yet. If you, I know we live in the age of internet and information is rarely available. If you still have no idea what Parasite's about, keep it that way. Much like if I'm like, hey, much like Barbarian, go in not knowing jack shit about Parasite because you get so rewarded halfway through the damn film. Um, because yeah, like you said, it doesn't really start off horror. First, it starts off kind of like a little bit of comedy, a little bit of trauma, right? Um and you're you're getting and even then that stuff is good like you get sucked in immediately honestly like you're like oh my god, um the whole like flooding scene when they lose their house like it's a fucking hell of a scene, the um, the
0: tr- the way they trick e- the family into hiring them is still my favorite thing about that movie it's so smart,
1: yeah oh dude I one of my like scenes I really liked and I found it oddly disturbing in a weird way not in your usual disturbing way. But when like they have to hide because the the fan the the you know the the family comes home early, and the dad's hiding under the table and listening to them get ready to get it on, while she is getting off to them mocking the poor people.
0: Yeah, she's getting off to like the 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 smell of the poor that's in the room, and it's like you know she's like slumming. It's so fucked up.
1: Yeah, it's like the most like, and that's what I say it's like so disturbing in a way that I wasn't expecting because she's literally like said, she is getting off. He is, I believe, yeah, his hands are down there doing, for lack of a better word, finger blasting. Uh, where she is getting off to like you said that the idea of like smelling the porn like, oh, 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 it's just weird. It's an odd thing. I, I was uncomfortable. I was like, I should be usually enjoying these types of scenes. Because at she's a very attractive lady, but I am creeped out beyond belief with this. This is weird. Um, but then the big twist happens, and this one hundred becomes like full on fucking horror. Like the moment the shoe is dropped, and he and you know he reveals on what is actually going on. in This movie, holy shit!
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic film about class divide, and you know. A lack of humanity among a certain class of people and it's it works and I love that that ceremony was chock full of great movies but I just love like Bong Joon-ho walked up on that stage four times and they just kept giving him statues he won screenplay then he won international film then he won director then he won picture and he just kept going up there like ah thank you so much there's that infamous picture of him like making two Oscars kiss <laughs> it's he was just happy to be there, and he just he earned all of those awards. He's an amazing filmmaker. And oh this is yeah, a
1: yeah, this was great. I I know I haven't heard anything about it, so I'm kind of hoping it's dead in water. I know I'm saying this as I have praised Last of Us for a couple of weeks now, how great it is. But I heard HBO and Bong joon Hill were developing like together a an American series on this, and yeah. I was like, I'm just not in on this. Like this film does not need to be retapped for American audiences. I don't. I to an extent, a small extent, get why studios do that because unfortunately Americans are we're 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 we're, we're stupid. We don't want to admit, it, but we're stupid. And a lot of a lot of us, not myself personally, or anyone on film guessing we as anyone knows, we have no issues watching international films. Um, but a well, lot of Americans won't do that, and so they're like, well, let's do it. For an American audience and I'm like god damn it anytime I hear it I'm just like fuck
0: well here's the thing Parasite doesn't need to be translated on a budget of adjusted for American money 15 and a half million dollars this thing grossed 263 global people around the world loved Parasite it made good money in America we don't need to keep doing this shit
1: just enjoy
0: the product at hand if you don't like to read watch something else
1: yeah because again I'll say it like Again, like look, or learn honestly,
0: Korean can do that, too.
1: Yeah. And again, I'm not saying I don't get like some people are just like, you know, foreign films just aren't for them. Right. International films are not for them. But at the same time, like you are just depriving yourself so much of what other countries have to offer. And that's why, like when I heard they were doing it for HBO, I was like, God damn it, because like this film works because of where it takes place, because it's not talking about the wealth in a way that it is in America It's talking about it for that specific country. Yeah, it's what Bong Joon-ho has witnessed as someone who grew up in that country. And that's why it works so well. If you want films about the rich here in America, guess what? Infinity Pool just came the fuck out. Go watch that. Neat. But yeah, it's,
0: you know, in America, we have this kind of, you know, anybody could can be, a, can be rich if you just, you know, have an idea or something. I don't know. It's bullshit, but we like to think that we have that option. But yeah. you know, in Korea, things are different. The movie works because there is a very clear and accepted class divide in Korea that they just accept. And the thing, what made this movie so different is people, these, you know, four people who refused to accept it and went the extra mile to manipulate a rich family into making them a part of that world, albeit you know, briefly. And it was mesmerizing because it was different and it was weird and it was unique and it looked cool, and it was like four different genres mixed together in a blender to make this like new genre who you can't, that you can't even label. It it was a masterpiece and I'm so glad it won. And uh, it was the last horror film, so to speak to have been nominated for best picture thus far. There's been nothing in the past few years.
1: Yeah. You know, I have feelings on certain films that should have been nominated. Yeah. Um, in more recent years, I'm looking at films like hereditary should have been nominated. So one of the biggest snubs, That and Toni Collette I've I've ever fucking witnessed. Uh, This past year alone, uh, an actress that's going into horror strong already in 2023 with Infinity Pool, Mia Goth with fucking X and Pro. That shit should have been nominated for something, and especially her. Like, what the fuck, Oscars? I
0: think 100% this year, Barbarian should have been up for picture, screenplay, and director.
1: Yes. Yes. That was one of the most fucking... and makeup makeup. oh and makeup yeah that was like one of the most original we haven't seen this before and thanks to sure marketing no one knew what was going to happen type of films to fucking come out absolutely and it got
0: every horror film this year got snubbed there was nothing in the technical awards anything which which is crazy
1: to me because we talked about 2022 was a strong strong year for horror like probably one of the best in fucking years one of the best even, down.
0: even you know oscar winner jordan peele got shut out with nope like that got
1: completely ignored
0: and i thought that yeah, was going to snag a whole bunch of technical awards
1: Same, and like, and don't get me wrong some of the stuff i saw nominated i was with like everything everywhere all at once absolutely i'm all about that film was fantastic but then other stuff i'm looking at like you you could have put something else or you could have put some of these horror films yeah. here that deserved it that absolutely again in a year that was such a huge hit for horror From the big, like movies like Nope and Barbarian and Smile to the small, like the Cinderella story of the year in fucking Terrifier 2, the little film that could. It like, and that absolutely, I'll say it, as as Christmas is, it should have been up for some fucking special effects or visual effects. It should have been up for makeup. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that.
0: With every, you know, every time we get a win like Silence of the Lambs or get out, it always feels like a gimmick. Like here you go, you know. Now shut up, mm-hmm. you know. It's like no we, horror deserves a valid seat at the table. I'm tired of this shit. Like movies have been around for over a hundred years. It's time to stop with this kids table bullshit. Like mm-hmm. it's a legitimate genre with real talent behind it. People who make masterpieces. People who make great movies. Give them their due. Like why do we? Why do they keep shutting them out? It, bullshit. Yeah. Like how many times <laughs> are we gonna stroke James Cameron's blue dick before we actually start? <laughs> looking at other shit jesus christ
1: it's infuriating because like for me again my big thing is that stop looking at a a specific type of film to nominate and be a certain period of time that these films are released like no i don't agree with putting films higher than others it's been one of the biggest things that's led to you know what i've dealt with and many other horror fans and heavy metal lovers have dealt with all the life of the age-old question like oh you like that Ew. and oh it's it's a phase or like how we you know we saw you know recently anyone blew about it when you know kate blanchard asked that question she done on graham norton like it's because it's where like all that kind of stuff's been looked at as like below everything and to me no horror even i'm going to say it come at me all you want but yeah when michael bay gets a technical court i'm not rolling miles like oh he got a technical yeah, look, say what you want about that. Dude's, like, storytelling abilities. Technically-wise, he, he he is good on that front. And he absolutely deserves a chance as a fucking prestigious film does. um, It shouldn't fucking matter. It
0: shouldn't. And I'm also... You know, we're not saying, like, you know, every horror film that comes out deserves to be nominated. No. Is not every drama that comes out deserves to be nominated. Not every film is, you know, good enough to be at the Oscars. But a lot of horror films are, and they're not allowed in the you know in the running simply because they're horror like we know that's a fact so yeah. we just would like that to stop let's be yeah, a dog.
1: And, for yeah. and and with that said I'll, I'll bring it in on like a little positive loop because of this you know fangoria it being like one of the biggest horror magazines and just well-known horror brands in the world they have responded by doing their annual chainsaw awards that is their version of it and um it's completely fan voted. So what they you know they get all the they do all the nominees and then they release it and say like okay guys here are the categories, here are the nominees, vote. This is the deadline, and then the only one that you write in is the best kill. That's the only one you write in. Everything else is options, and you write in the best kill. I'm seeing Terrifier Two probably won that one for the bedroom scene. Just saying. Um, I think I wrote something else different. Oh, I, I wrote Dewey's Death and uh Scream. Uh, and five him. that's what i wrote because i really like that one but i well if i was voting
0: i would have voted for a i won't spoil it but a certain death towards the end of speak no evil
1: that's mm. what i would have voted for i see that maybe still so. yeah. um, Great
0: would have been a great you know if uh denmark had submitted that for
1: their you know film for best international film that would have been a great move yeah yeah but um no, you know, luckily, Fangoria has answered the call and said, like, hey, you know what? If the won't keeps snubbing it, we'll do our own thing. We'll do the Chainsaw Awards. And they do. And guess what? All the stuff they got snubbed was popping up, and it was one of the hardest fucking things I had. I was looking at that thing, voting, going, like, oh, God, I I don't know. Like, the the best actress, I'm just going, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Um, it was good. So, you know, we have that, and luckily, they have partnered with Shudder. Um, and they do air uh, an actual showing, so usually around March, April timeframe, they will air it. They'll put it out when it airs, and it's live. It's on the shutter TV. It's live, just like the Oscars are live, and they do it. Um, in twenty, they did it. They they first partnered with them in twenty twenty one, I believe. Maybe before that, I could be wrong, but in twenty twenty one, they did it virtually, so it was kind of like weird but then last year they actually were able to do it in person so they had like david douse matching was the host they made it into like a, a video store he was in they had presenters they had the people accepting it um live they had an actual audience and some people had to accept it you know uh virtual just they so couldn't kind of make it but they actually had a whole thing and i'm assuming they're going to do the same thing this year so hey it's kind of like a plug if you're bad that the Oscars won't do it. Guess what? Fangoria fills that void. Get yourself a Shutter subscription. They will put it out when they air it, and you can you can watch horror have its chance to shine with all the other good horror of the year. Well, that's delightful. I'll
0: I'll have to check that out.
1: Yeah. well,
0: there's there's horror's you know brief history with best picture. There's been a lot of horror films have won technical awards. Actually, not a lot. Like you know, I, you know, I think like The Fly, The Wolf Man, American Werewolf, like coppola's dracula off the top of my head but largely no largely horror is pretty much shut out on all fronts but you know the yeah. Occasional yeah. Win matters
1: yeah genre in general i should point out you know i know we obviously we're just because we're horror fans we talk about that a lot but you know the same can be said for like comedies and sci-fi um and obviously superhero films nowadays are like the big one that people talk about
0: Sci-fi is kind of the only one that's pretty much like jumped over the, the the fence, so to speak. I think since like 2009, Avatar and District 9 kind of opened the gates for sci-fi to finally be respected along yeah. the same lines as the rest of the films in the Academy. Like, you know, Dune fucking swept last year. It so- looks
1: like superheroes are making that, are slowly making that leap now because I know Angela Bassett is like getting nominated out the ass, rightfully so, for Black Panther, Reconnaught Forever. Mm-hmm.
0: So you know it's I think it it'll take time, but hopefully we're walking in the right direction. But I feel like we have to say this every couple of years. So
1: it it, it you know, I, I started getting my hopes up. Um, because it just feels like no matter what, it just won't ever happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like I said, for I know I keep alluding to it for everyone's wondering about the whole K I thing, they like what metal music basically what happened was Margo Robbie, folks gonna watch the video uh mentioned that she's a metalhead she she loves slipknot that's her band she apparently absolutely loves slipknot um and Kate Blanchett asked her On air for some weird reason do people actually like that music like do people genuinely like that music i think that's what she asked and margaret we kept her cool and answered like well no yeah i like it like um but it's, like, moments like that, and, again, I'm not even going to discuss, like, the fucking outcry on that, but, like, moments like that that made me go, like, see, we're never getting anywhere because pe- there are people that just feel the need to keep doing that. Like, and, again, I don't give two shits if you don't like chord if you don't like metal music, but when someone talks about something they love, stop doing that shit. Stop being there to be, like, well, I mean, do people really like it? Like, don't p- fucking put them down. And yeah. that's what pisses me off with this, like this shit with that, and like the Oscars.
0: Yeah, let people enjoy things. That's you know, I think we foster a good community here on the FilmGasm team. You know, all of our shows, we you know we welcome dissenting opinions. We we mm. celebrate the work, and we give every film you know an equal you know seat at the table, or at least we try to. And I wish more people would just you know let people enjoy things, like because we try, we, I I'm, I try very hard to not you know shit on people's love of things because that's just that's shitty. Why would you do that?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's shitty. No matter who you are or where you're doing it, like on live fucking TV, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that was a fun experiment. I think it went
0: very well this time. I'm glad I was able to kind of dig that up. I
1: should have just acted like I had seen any of those phones be like, I, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: I don't think you'd physically be able to do that with like Jaws and The Exorcist. I, I don't think you'd be able you'd to
1: just- no, you just see me like trying to look for my fucking jaws, but it'd be like, act like it's not here. Like, would you say pause? No, I never heard of that. Oh, hey, I actually found it. I was actually
0: seeing if I could find it, i looking and I did. <laughs> is that, that that 4K that you got under? Or, oh, that's Exorcist. Oh, no, it's Exorcist.
1: You're talking about jaws? No, jaws is someone here. Oh, it's right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember
0: when you got that, that 4K from like a very shady dude. at the the market, and we were kind of like, I think these are stolen, but they're mine now.
1: Yeah, that and the first Saw movie, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sweet. Well, let's uh, let's dig into the Sixth
0: Sense and give some awards out to this movie. Uh, If you know the show, you know the drill. We've got the Quentin Tarantino Award for the best line of the movie. We've got the Ennio Morricone Award for the best music moments. We've got the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for the best performance, and we've got the Roger Deakins Award for the best scene. So why don't you kick things off with
1: your Quentin Tarantino award? My Quentin Tarantino award. So this, is fine. Cause we actually talk about like when his dialogue work, it works, it really works. I actually had a hard time picking, not because like I don't think that dialogue's bad, it's just not a whole lot of memorable stuff. Yeah, and I was yeah. really not trying to pick something that was "I see dead people" because we all know that fucking line. Um... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't pick it. So the 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 one I picked actually kind of goes hand in hand with my best scene. So, but I'm not going to talk about the scene yet. I just want to talk about the line. And it's uh, when Haley Joel Osment is in the car with his mom and they're stuck in traffic towards the end of the film. And he is telling her about his gift. And um, he starts telling her about his grandma or her mom. And um, he says something that really hit me. In the in, And I'll get into why, but I'll tell you the line first. And he goes, she wanted me to tell you she saw you dance. And uh the reason I picked that is that hit me in the sense that like that's a beautiful line. There's more to it. He tells a whole story and it's a really great moment. Um and then I also even thought about like the part where um she asked tearfully what she wanted to always ask her mom. But w- the reason that I put this is because this encapsulates I think what everyone feels when they lose someone close to them. Um something that they regret not telling something that they, you know, were thinking about and wanted to maybe do over. And to me, that simple, just that one sentence, even without the big story behind it encapsulates what we all feel in a moment like that, you know, something just to know, like, Hey, I did see you dance. You know, I was proud of you. I did love, you know, that kind of thing. And and it hits, you know, I've, you know, obviously, you know, I, like anyone I've had my first share of, you know, death in my family, and you know, friends, unfortunately from high school have already passed, and there are plenty of moments um, that I and I regret, and I I wish I knew more of, or you know things are you know things like that that I knew, and to give um, for Cole to do that for his mom and give her that closure in that moment, to not just like you know, and, and obviously want to prove that that's mom, what I'm telling you is true. I really do see dead people. And they talk to me, but to do that as a way to prove it and also give her that kind of closure is a really just sweet, heartbreaking moment to watch.
0: Oh, dude, it makes me cry every time. It's such a beautiful scene and so well acted between the two of them. It 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 you believe it, and it it's so damn touching. You gotta have a heart of stone to not feel something there.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, good pick. Very good pick. Um, I went with something uh the last like I think the last lines of the movie—it's um, after Doctor Crow realizes his situation, which still remains one of the most well-executed plot twists of all time.
1: Oh yeah, Shyamalan, no matter how hard he tries, has never mastered this one. No, he, this is yeah, he peaked way too early. <laughs> uh,
0: Doctor Crow is talking to his wife when she's asleep, and says, "I think I can go now. Just needed to do a couple of things." I needed to help someone. I think I did. And I needed to tell you something. You were never second ever. I love you. You sleep now. Everything will be different in the morning. And she says, good night, Malcolm. And it's like, Oh God. And then he crosses over because his unfinished business is done. All I needed to do was prove that like he could help somebody. And I love, I love it. It's so beautiful. It's, I've never seen Bruce Willis like this before, and or yeah. since like this was a rare moment for him, and he he's astonishing.
1: Yeah, it's it's especially at the time like he's I think he was coming what off like like the third Die Last Boy Scout, not Last Boy Scout, Jesus, but yeah, Last Boy Scout, um, a bunch of action stuff, I believe. Yeah, um, this was like the same year as like the whole Nine Yards, I think okay yeah so it was like a string of stuff and then with the whole nine Arts kind of being a little more comedic but still playing off his persona in that movie mm-hmm. and with this it was like holy shit like this is harkening probably I would, the most you could say harkening probably back to moonlight when he was doing more traumatic stuff then when he was on tv and he had hair um uh-huh. <laughs> but uh yeah no, he he gives it his all and it's amazing that like father should we give shaman like he pulled a fucking performance out of willis in this movie um, oh, and this is a very. I almost wrote this this speech down too because it's very touching. It is like, wow, like you know when you uh, put the revelation that you have in the movie, and then you you get this speech, and you realize this was what he needed to finish, was prove that he was a good you know psychiatrist and he was a good husband, and he did love her. Like you know, he may have sometimes gotten lost in his work, but she, in his eyes, she was always first, never second. Yeah.
0: God, the moment when you realize like she's not ignoring him the whole movie, she's mourning him. Like, oh boy, like when he's, especially when he like tries to open the, he's trying to open the basement door and then you realize like, oh, there's a table there. That's why I won't move. And he's phasing through the table and he didn't see it. And he just like, oh, it blows my mind every time. Every time I watch this, I know it's coming, but it's still like such a moment.
1: Oh, it's, it's so, so good. And like I said, just well acted by Bruce Willis. Like you, you Believe that, like, this is it, like, he has to do this, and he can finally cross over, he can finally accept his fate from that night.
0: Yeah, god, so touching.
1: Uh, I think that takes us to the Ennio Morricone Award. Uh, what do you got? Uh, for me, it is talking about that scene. It's when, and I'll fuck it, I'm gonna go on and just say it instead of beating around the bush. Sorry if you haven't seen the sixth sense. I, if you're listening to this, I hope you've seen sixth sense. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I do not feel bad about spoiling a movie that is over twenty years old.
1: Yeah, well, I'm one of those that like. If you're clicking on this, we name these after the movie title, so you better damn well have seen the film if you're clicking on this. Um, but it's I put the part, the musical sting that happens when Malcolm realizes he's dead and starts confessing how he feels to his wife. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music in that moment to help accentuate what's going on in the moment he. You know, she says, you know, like when she says goodbye, Malcolm or goodnight, Malcolm, and the music swells and it goes to white. All oh, that is beyond touching It's such a great little sting to add to the scene. Yeah, man,
0: I agree. James Newton Howard outdid himself with this score. He's I think he's done most of Shyamalan's uh, films. Uh, they have a great working relationship. That's, uh, that's good. <laughs> so he's got to have somebody in his corner constantly and why not the music guy yeah um I went with the opening credits uh i love the score to this film the main theme to this film because it's equal parts horror and drama it's <laughs> eerie it kind of lulls you in thinking like oh this is gonna be spooky but then also it's like and you're gonna cry yeah it's a really well done score that l- lures you in and keeps you there and that's that's what a good opening score should do
1: yeah, well, the credits do the opposite. The credits, like, have it nice and because they go in with what's happening. And if you actually keep watching the credits, it switches to spooky after, like, a minute or two and goes back to, like, creepy music. <laughs> um, so, it's, yeah, it's a really good score. I will say, anyone who doesn't cry the first time they've seen this and you don't know the twist, you are a monster, okay, at the end of this movie. Now, granted, I don't, but I've seen this one, like, 20 goddamn times. I'm expecting the ending when it hits. But the first time I watched it, I was like, oh boy. Yeah.
0: I don't expect to. Cr- Very few horror films have made me cry. The Sixth Sense is one of those movies. It's, it's. I just don't expect it. I don't expect to be emotionally moved with horror. I expect yeah. to
1: be freaked out. And, yeah, well, and it's, it, dude, it's the one two punch of like the scene before that I don't talk a lot about for reasons. Hint, hint. Um, but the scene before it, then you have this scene, you're like, oh, God damn it. Oh God! And again, Tony <laughs> Collette in a horror film and gets fucking snubbed. Yeah. Well, she got
0: nominated for this one, thankfully, but she lost to Angelina Jolie. But we'll talk about that later. Um, the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award. I'm very curious about who
1: you went with for this. I had three names running down because it's very hard for me so i had tony collette ran down i have jaley hole Haley joel osmet ran down yeah jaley hole okay good jaley hole uh, meant oz i don't know i'm, just, <laughs> I'm dyslexic today uh, and i had donnie Rawberg as well cause, say what you will, that opening scene holy fuck with donnie robert um, I look trade up. I'm saying I'm a fan of overacting to a certain degree. Like, if you know how to do it and give a showy performance like that, I am such a fan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just because you're screaming does not mean
0: you're hamming it up. Sometimes the, the, the role the de- needs a little scream, and yeah, Donnie delivered.
1: Oh, big time. He He's the true baller. We should have backed. <laughs> um, damn right. But oh boy, if I'm going to pick. Fuck, this is tough. Um, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go Tony Collette. Um, because she look, first off, she's just a great actress and she consistently delivers anytime she's in a horror film, like between this and hereditary, like holy shit, alone. Um, but she's great. She is great as like this single mom that is just trying to get by every day. You know, you find out that the reason she is single is that her husband fucking cheated and ran off obviously wanted nothing to do with the kid either like did not even bother and she's just trying to live every single day do her best for her son who she probably knows isn't exactly like the most popular kid at school as we see he 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 is different he is weird and you know she's trying to grapple with all that and she does it so wonderfully you never once even though you see how you treat at school, you never once feel that like she views him different, she thinks he's different. The whole time you feel nothing but that she absolutely loves and would do anything for him. And it's it's touching. And I one of my favorite moments, one of my many favorite moments, is when he asks her, Do you think I'm weird? Do you do you do you think that? And she's like, No, I love you. You've been perfect to me, you're my son. It's a fucking touching moment that you know, uh, a, a, a mom and her kid and she Tony Collette is wonderful it, don't get me wrong I'm not saying anything against like Haley Joel Osment like he gives off a fucking hell performance I'm glad he's still acting I'm very glad he was able to get like continue and as an adult and continue acting but he is so fucking good in this movie like I said Diane Robert he's in it only in really beginning and then the big reveal he gets a little bit more scenes and he is great he is delivering but um just for what she's doing in the role, I'm going to have to. Get, I gotta give it to Tony Collette.
0: Yeah, Tony Collette's incredible in this. Uh, she just she she is so good at playing a mom. Everything I've seen her in, she she's like the mom of Hollywood, like Little Miss Sunshine. Great mom performance. It's you just believe that she'll do anything for her kids, except yeah. For her she's like I don't really like you that much.
1: but even then you do get like in in hereditary she has that great fucking the dinner table scene where she puts into perspective and she tells him like no i love you but look at what you did like i have to work through it too
0: yeah
1: yeah (sighs) i mean
0: yeah it i i
1: think it's mom's fault
0: in that movie but you know what? no i'm
1: saying a great scene with the back of my head i'm like why did you make him take his kid sister to a party yeah you know they're gonna be
0: drinking, you know they're gonna be smoking weed, probably hooking up. Why would you want your your little you know eight-year-old daughter there?
1: Yeah, I'm like, why would you do that? Also, Krampus. Not many people talk about yeah, that one. Krampus, she was yeah. great as a mom in Krampus that is just annoyed during the holidays. Yeah. I love <sighs> that. <laughs> great choice.
0: And yeah, the scene where you know Cole's talking to her about her mother is the moment that got her the Oscar nomination. I think it's the moment that got them both the Oscar nominations. Mm-hmm. uh it's beautiful
1: um yeah or oh, her her look when um she takes him to the doctor after the the incident at the party and when the doctor had the gall to be like i know there's scars and stuff and her fucking look when she's like are you saying i hurt my kid you feel that like that how dare you say i abuse my child
0: i love when she calls the other mom and she's like hi uh this is cole's mom just wanted to know Why you, you know, I just want to talk about your hand, your kid putting his goddamn hands on my son. (laughs) It's like, oh shit. Oh yeah. I'm like, you fucking go get her. I was raised by a single mom. So I, you know, I witnessed all of, you know, shit like that. Like it's, you know, it's it's tough being a single mom in a, a, you know, sea of, you know, full families and you got to kind of do, you got to pull double duty. You got to be mom and dad. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's tough. And, you know, I admire my mom so much for being able to pull that off. So I think that's a big reason why I really like, This movie
1: yeah i love the Laura scene in the beginning when like before you find out the ghost is doing the shit to the kitchen all the time and she walks in everything's open and she's like were you looking for something and he's just like the pop tarts (laughs) 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 when he's leaving she's like cool you still want the you still want the pop tarts (laughs) thanks mom that was so
0: fucking poltergeist i just i couldn't help but smile
1: Oh yeah. And it's just like a like a moment of like I'm not going to question what the hell is this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like I'm gonna do I'm gonna handle what I can handle, and right now that's Pop Tarts. Yeah, right now my kid wants Pop Tarts. <laughs> uh good pick. Um I too had uh, Donnie Wahlberg written down for the longest time. I was like, fuck. I mean it's a brief scene, but he lingers over this whole movie. Uh oh yeah. But ultimately, I gave it to Bruce Willis. okay okay
1: yeah because
0: this is you know it's so outside his comfort zone and he proves that he really does have incredible range when he commits to a project and he's i i love the character this you know this doctor who has lost faith in himself and is just trying to find it again and hopefully help this kid with his own problems along the way and you know of course he's also playing a ghost but he doesn't know that
1: yeah yeah Willis Rillis usually somehow I don't know how Shamelon would do it, but Shamelon would get really good performances out of Willis in this and Unbreakable and Glass. Like I don't know what it was. Glass was especially impressed because that's when it seemed like before we knew about um you know his his um his you know um, medical issue you know when it seemed like he wasn't giving a shit at time about his roles um to put it like lightly. Um but Shamalon man rained brought out great great performance in, him in Glass. See what you wrote about that movie. Willis was delivering in that also. Um so I I don't know what it was. Shanghala just knew how to get the best out of Willis. Anytime they were uh doing a movie. Yeah, he did. There was a
0: that was a good uh director actor relationship there briefly. Uh, and I I I wish he'd been nominated for the Sixth Sense because it was the film he deserved a nomination. Oh yeah absolutely damn shame uh but you know that was a, that was kevin space's win for american beauty so i don't know if anyone was going to beat him for that
1: yeah but i mean like i mean you just like so you look at the scenes that like especially because you know obviously rose is acting this probably knowing the twist i don't know if like shamelessly gave him the script in advance or like how that was played out um yeah i'm sure i'm sure he knew of course yeah so you know when he's playing the parts of like going to the restaurant and talking to his wife but having to play as if like in his head, he's still alive and he is talking to her right now. She's just simply ignoring him because she's pissed or fucking great. Or when he's out, you know, looking out the window and he's like, keep moving cheese stick, which I did not know. That's the line he said. And I, I almost died with laughter. (laughs) Keep moving cheese dick. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I love the
0: moment where he does realize that he's a ghost and the like the fear in his eyes and the, you know, thinking back to all the events and just realizing oh my god i died and he plays that so convincingly i was really blown away like i do every time i watch a bruce willis movie i'm like what happened but then i think back to the sixth sense and i'm like he, there's an actor in there then mm-hmm. he's in there and m yeah. night is one of the few directors who brought him out
1: yeah oh dude his whole like in his whole journey with him and um you know Haley Joel osman's character like is wonderful to watch him just trying to break through and reach this kid there's a scene
0: where remember the scene where he like says you know i can't be your doctor anymore i have to focus on my own family and cole's like you know please don't leave me no one else believes me like i need you and bruce, like dr crow is trying so hard not to cry he's like I, I, I can't help you like he's like i need to save my my marriage but he's in his eyes he's like i'm so sorry
1: <laughs> and yeah. it's
0: just, ah bruce bruce you spruce goose i miss you
1: <laughs> bruce, bruce. <laughs> yeah no and it, it, and because of it it hurts you i remember even watching it now because it's, it's been a few years since i've actually like really sat and watched the movie you know i was like no don't leave the kid help i'm like wait i've seen this <laughs> why am i feeling like this right now <laughs> a good movie will do that a great
0: movie will like make you forget you've seen it before and still trick you into thinking otherwise
1: yeah, no, I, I totally yeah, like Bruce, yeah, Bruce Willis is really delivering here, like a lot. I love almost all the scenes with him and Haley Joel Osment. They are so great to watch, um, together. Like when he's just the various ways he tries to reach him. Like when he come, you know, uh, Cole comes home, and you know, and again, you think like, oh, I guess the mom's just not talking to the therapist because he fucking pissed her off, um, uh, at the time, right for the twist uh but he does that game like hey let me guess something and you take a step closer Mm -hmm. um or when he starts to kind of break down and tell him about you know this story about a man and his wife but you find out it's about his marriage he actually starts to break down in front of nicole like there's so many great scenes of him finding ways to just reach out and talk to this poor kid that's been bullied that feels different that feels left out because of a gift that he has Hmm. and it's it's wonderful to watch
0: I love when he goes back into his archives and realizes that Vincent, the kid who shot him, had the same gift. And Oh, yeah. That was, I forgot about that bit. I was like, oh, shit. That was a legit twist for me because I forgot.
1: Yeah, I uh, forgot about that. And then you're like, oh, wait, that that's why Vincent felt the way he did. And that's when he realizes, okay, I got to save this kid or help him because if I don't, he's going to turn into that as he gets older. Yeah.
0: It is weird. Like the one plot hole of this movie is who hired him. Because if you're a child psychologist, you can't just go pick a kid and hang around with him. You got to talk to the parents. You got to make this. Yeah, I I, I
1: took it as like he wasn't ever really hired because Cole's the only one that sees him. He just happened to pop up. He just was like attracted to him because of his gift. Because they never really (laughs) talk about the mom. Never talks about actually having paid for a fucking psychiatrist to look at Cole. You're right. I just find it
0: weird that not once did Dr. Crow talk to mom. Not once. Like, even attempt. (laughs) He's just, I would love if he's in his note, like writing his notes, and he's like, Cole's mom is quite cold and abrasive, didn't say one word to me.
1: (laughs) Cole's mom, attractive, but seems very rude. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's Uh, that's fantastic yeah i would love to see his interactions like is everyone just an asshole to him is that what he thinks like everyone's a douchebag because no one even addresses him
1: everyone hates him (laughs) (laughs) is that why he's hanging around cole he's the only one he can talk to yeah right oh someone that's probably nice to me i do i do like also the scene when he's trying to like calm vincent down in the beginning yeah like it's really tense and he's just like wait no i do remember you and you're thinking, like, why do you have to be drunk right now, you bastard? Why? Yeah.
0: God. What a start to this move. I love how it tricks you. You're like, oh, he got better. But it left a mental scar. It's like, no, he didn't get better. Uh, uh, he died that night. Yeah. Damn. Uh The Roger Deakins Award. I think I know where you're
1: going here. I beat around the bush quite a bit. Gave a huge hint. But it's 100 when it came up, I had a lot of stuff right now too. I'd like the scary moments right now because there's when this this movie goes for it scares it goes for it, and I do actually really respect that. Um but the scene I ultimately went with is the the very touching scene when Cole finally has the courage, thanks to you know Dr. Crow to tell his mom about his gift while stuck in some kind of accident, you know, in traffic because so it looks like there was an accident. And this this scene in Wonderful just no matter how many times i watch it 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 hits it hits like you said the performances of you know osment and and colette in the scene are fucking so good and at first when she's like you know kind of like oh i don't think i really believe you see dead people buddy like come on let's be real here the he breaks through with telling her like you know i see grandma and she said this and then you have i actually did write now um i did write on you know i didn't put it when he keeps bugging her at the end, like what did it? What is it you want to ask her? Tell me what you want to ask her so she can hear it. And you know she says, "Do I make her proud?" God damn, what a way to end that scene! Like even I just now saying it, almost started like having all the emotions come back up. Because um, again, who hasn't felt that when on, on someone they love, like a like a parent or or something or someone you you hold close, near and dear to you, pass away? Who hasn't had that thought? Or do i make them proud am i living in a way that they would still be happy looking at me you know i felt the same when my grandma passed away back in uh the fifth grade you know i felt the same way you know so it hits me sometimes still. But i'm like do i make her proud as like a 30 year old adult now um so this scene is just wonderful from an acting perspective from oh having the courage to tell his mom this and find a way to get her to believe him and her just at no point be like my son's a freak my son's weird be like no this is my son and he has this gift and i'm gonna do whatever to protect him they have this bonding moment and it's just it's beautiful i love this scene to death
0: yeah so do i it was my pick as well it's a fantastic it's a great cherry on top for this movie because i was already into this and then when you when you go there when you hit me in the heart like that and you make me cry you got oh you're you're a masterpiece good work and yeah that scene every time i watch this movie it brings a tear to my eye because it's so touching and so well done and so earned to know you know to, to to see the fruits of dr crow's labor here at work to know that he got through to this kid and he helped him it, it's great and that you know by helping him it's gonna fix the relationship that this that he has with his mother and they're gonna be fine and everything's gonna work out and oh it's beautiful it's great yeah um, I had a couple run, runner-up scenes um, I nearly went with the uh, The scene where Cole goes to the little girl's wake And reveals the, the Tape to oh, the father
1: I had that written down
0: that is, a... Oh my god it's oh. so unnerving and so upsetting that somebody Would do that would poison their own Child just for attention
1: oh, the, the look on his that poor guy's face He was grieving Grieving and Cole's like hey you should Watch this I know you're grieving right now. But
0: when everyone who's watching the tape just turns to look at the mom who's like, you know, dressed to the nines and like she's entertaining and everyone's, they're just like, you monster, you killed her. And then you hear the little bit of dialogue, like, oh, I hear the little ones now feeling illness.
1: Like she's in the midst of poisoning the other kid. Other one. Yeah. And it's like, well, now you're going to chill. The dad's going to be severely fucked up. no Even if he can, you know, eventually when we pass it, obviously in his own way, but he'll be severely fucked up because of it. It's like, no, nah, this scene, it's like, the implications of like what happens beyond this scene mm. with what you see already, and you're like, oh, my God, who, why, how could a mother do that? And what's scary is that there are people that do that with their kids. There are 100% parents that do shit like that to their children. They keep them sick because so they can keep taking care of them, and then shit like that happens. Yeah, Munchausen by proxy.
0: Yeah. they Keep them sick and ill so everybody showers you with attention it's depraved and horrific and they all deserve to burn for
1: that oh god yeah no i hope i i hope to god that dude went to like the couch immediately and was like i'm turning your ass in and don't you get anywhere near my fucking thicket other kids we still have
0: i hope he killed her right there in a crime of passion i hope he just picked up a knife or something and jumped her
1: god oh yeah, but yeah. Like, oh god! When, yeah, you're right. When everyone just turns and looks at her, and she's so oblivious, the fact that he's even watching the tape, yeah. she's like, "What?" And then his fucking comment, his, "You kept her sick," or whatever he says. I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Again, with Shailene Wright's style, this is one of the few times he fucking had dialogue that the actors could work with. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: there was that, and then there was the scene where Cole gets locked in the little room at the birthday. Oh. Party.
1: Oh, that—that's even me out so much as when I first watched this as a kid. And you can just, dude, this is on like expert direction right here, filmmaking right here. Where like you don't see anything in there, you just hear everything, and it's fucking horrifying. Yeah, your imagination creates like
0: worse hell than anything he could have shown us. And oh. then he comes out of there with bruises, and you're just like, what the fuck?
1: yeah you're like what happened like when you first hear this shit when Cole first walks up there and you're like you're again since you're like what the fuck is he listening to and then, yeah, you hear that and tony let trying to get the damn door open and you're like dude what the fuck and then it unlocks on his own so you're like wait what the fuck was keeping it locked in there
0: ah yeah this there's a lot of a lot of scenes to pick from in this movie there's a lot of memorable moments
1: yeah I, uh other scare scenes i had written down like i said the scene when like Cole goes into the kitchen and he's like, "Mom," and she turns and goes, "I'm not your." And you're like, "I remember that scene freaked me out so much. I couldn't go into the kitchen after that. I was like no, no. no I don't need a pop tart right now. I don't <laughs> need one myself. <laughs> I'm good.'" Uh, I really, I
0: really like the uh, the scene where Cole freaks out at his teacher and starts screaming at him. You know, calling him stuttering everything. Stanley. <laughs> and just like, the the teacher's like, "What?
1: Stop it!" Like he starts reverting, and it's like, "Oh shit." Yeah, you're like, oh fuck, um, dude, the it's a little moment, but like when that kid walks past his bedroom, and he's like, hey, and the, all that line he says, like, hey, I know where my dad hides its gun, and turns around, there's a fucking bullet hole in his head, and you're like, oh my god, like the, I, I I love when the film does finally drop the mic on this whole thing, like because I I forgot how long the film spent saying like, okay, we're gonna wait to show you his gift for a bit. And you're just like, what is with this kid? Why is why is he acting the way he does? The moment it reveals, and I think it's after he says the line, I see dead people. they wants to start showing what he is seeing on a daily basis. Oh, my God. You get why this kid is like, you get where he's coming from. Because it's like, how do you live with yourself? How do you live, especially as a child? Knowing that you every single day, it's guaranteed you're going to be seeing some freaky shit like that because they're attracted to you because you can see them and you can hear them.
0: Yeah. The idea of a kid realizing that the monster under his bed is real and is not going away is a freaky concept and very well executed in this movie because that would result in a near, you know, catatonic, emotionless child who just has trouble living <laughs> because his day to day is wall to wall horror. And there's nothing he can do about it.
1: Yeah, there's moments he doesn't know if the person he's talking to is real or not. It's you know obviously he knows it in his own home because he lives with only his mother. But when you're out in public, you now it's like okay, if, who am I seeing? Are they real or are they not? And then there's the other fact that like we establish the experience some are good. They don't mean him any harm at all. Like I said, obviously the one with the kid, it's a freaky scene at first when you see the kid fucking in the tin and the. The thing, but then you also realize no, the kid's reaching out to him to help solve, you know, to help put to light what actually happened to her. But then also, the phone makes that point to show you there's also bad ones, like we talked about with that seller. Like, there are bad ones that they're not there to fucking just make their voice heard or show, show them maybe, hey, I was wrong. You, can you help me? They're there to harm, they're there to do bad. And they know that this kid can see and hear them, so they're going to fucking take advantage of it. Ugh,
0: yeah, I would, you know, this is one case where I wouldn't say no to a follow-up. I want to see, like, you know, grown-up Cole as, like, a medium or something. Like, how does he
1: deal with this now? God, get Haley Joel Osment on this right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I would watch that. I would love that.
1: Look, Haley Joel, buddy, we need you back. We need you to play Cole again. Maybe we go with a different director.
0: But, <laughs> I don't know, He can he can produce... Just saying. (laughs) Ironically, he he would be the one thing that would ruin this.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, There you go with a different director. That's good. That (laughs) made me (laughs) laugh.
0: Well, that's The Sixth Sense. Um, Great movie. Let's dig into the competition it had at the 72nd Academy Awards. Uh, we'll start from the bottom up It didn't win anything, regrettably 99 was pretty competitive
1: Okay, do that Just so we all know, it nominated, did not win Jack shit, but let's go Yeah, you know, it doesn't always work out The way we want Uh
0: Let's start with film editing Uh The Matrix took home the win for this one It was up against American Beauty The Cider House Rules The Insider, and The Sixth Sense Uh which of those have you seen any of those Uh, other than matrix obviously so
1: it was matrix the sixth sense cider house rules and what else
0: american beauty and the insider
1: nope no they're all pretty good uh
0: but when it came to technical awards this year nothing was beating the matrix
1: yeah I, i i and this was for you said film editing right yeah it honestly it makes sense with the matrix like as much as i love the sixth sense like and I do think it it's a close second for editing because obviously Shamel has to, had to edit it in a way that like we didn't guess the twist before it happened, but also that if you go back and rewatch it, it all makes sense. So like editing is like a, a, a very key aspect of this film. But also with the Matrix, it's editing a film that is having to switch between a simulation and the real world and do all this crazy shit that it's doing throughout the movie. So I, I get why Matrix got that one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good win. Uh, next up, we've got original screenplay. The winner was American Beauty by Alan Ball. The nominees were Being John Malkovich by Charlie Kaufman, Magnolia by Paul Thomas Anderson, The Sixth Sense by M. Night Shyamalan, and Topsy Turvy by Mike Lee. Uh, I have not seen Topsy Turvy. That's a biopic of uh, Rogers and Hammerstein, I believe. I have not seen that.
1: I've I've only seen six since, so I'm going to, based off what you've seen, do you think it was deserved for American Beauty, or do you think something else should have gotten it? I do think American
0: Beauty deserved this one. Uh, It's a great story about just a man in his 40s who realizes he's never lived life in his own way, so he just like says, fuck it. He quits his job. He starts you know ignoring his over-demanding wife who kind of controls his whole life. He starts working out and just starts taking life by the balls, and it's it's funny as hell and endearing and done very well. It's a great story. Uh, it would be probably American Beauty or Being John Malkovich, just for how fucking odd that movie is. And I love when odd movies get screenplay nominations. As
1: well, say I would. I as much like Six Sense. I I probably sound to me. I would probably like based off what I know about Being John Malkovich. I can see that one being high up there because of its concept. Yeah. Like that is an out there concept to to put to film. <laughs> I
0: mean, it's got, you know, some iconic lines like when Malkovich goes into his own head and then falls out and he's like, I have been where no man dare tread or something like that. They're like, this is great. I want, I really, I would love to have seen the pitch to Malkovich for this movie because it wasn't like they were going to go, you know, if it was, if Malkovich said no, they were going to do like being Eddie Murphy. Like Malkovich was the only name they had in mind. If, if he said no, they weren't doing it.
1: Being Robert De Niro.
0: It, i mean it could have worked with somebody else but something about john malkovich just
1: makes sense it's it's, it's kind of like the whole like unbearable rate of massive talent that came out last year like you probably could have there's probably a short pool of actors you could have done but it mostly works it mainly works because of it being Nicolas cage same idea to me with being john malkovich like there's a small pool they probably could have pulled from but that film mainly works for what it is because of who they picked for it true very true
0: uh, next up, director. Sam Mendes won this for American Beauty. The nominees were Lasse Hallstrom for The Cider House Rules, Spike Jones for Being John Malkovich, Michael Mann for The Insider, and M. Night Shyamalan for The Sixth Sense. Uh Yeah, Mendes did phenomenal work with American Beauty. It was his first movie, too, which is pretty awesome.
1: God damn.
0: Yeah, and he's just delivered phenomenal work ever since you know road to perdition skyfall 1917
1: i mean fuck man <laughs> well so yeah no, yeah i've seen all those I, i've seen all of his later films i've not seen american beauty but i've seen everything he's done afterwards apparently um because i like all that bird perdition is great skyfall is one of the best just in general um bond films like i think it's, it's easily in my top five um and uh 1917 was fucking great like that was holy shit I really enjoyed 1917. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad he took home the
0: gold for that. Uh, I don't really think he's got any any competition there. I mean, those are all decent films, but some about American Beauty that just puts it ahead above the rest. Mm. Uh, Best Supporting Actress. The winner was Angelina Jolie for Girl Interrupted. The nominees were Tony Collette for The Sixth Sense, Catherine Keener for Being John Malkovich, Samantha Morton for Sweet and Low Down, and Chloe Sevigny for Boys Don't Cry. Uh, uh, I've not seen Sweet and Low Down or Boys Don't Cry, so can't judge those films.
1: Do you do you think Angelina Jolie beats Tony Collette though? You
0: know I don't. I think Jolie's good in Girl Interrupted. I think Tony Collette is more believable, and I think she's working with more uh, character development. I think you know she's playing a. A mom going through a divorce, going through dealing, having a weird kid, going through, you know, being ostracized by other families and having to keep it all together and doing a damn good job of it, you know, letting herself break in moments where she can afford to break. And I, I believed all of that. So I think I think Colette should have taken this one. And that would have been really cool.
1: I I support that because I'm tired of forgetting stuff with the damn Oscars. Like Jesus Christ, guys. Um, I'm support that and I'm I'm look I haven't seen Girl on but I'm I'm supporting this Colette over her because I'm going to say it right now I kind of think Angelina Jolie is an overrated actress. I've been um,
0: saying that shit for years.
1: Yeah, like I don't I'm not putting down any of the humanitarian work that she does and that's wonderful and I I do truly like appreciate um that part and respect that aspect of her. Um but acting wise I've never been blown away by her i have never been one of the many guys that fawns of her not saying she's like a hor- horrible looking woman i just i just haven't fallen in that camp it's like zoe Day chanel basically i haven't fallen in that camp okay i'm sorry don't get me wrong i like movies she's in i do like wanted a lot like i really enjoyed that film not because of her admittedly but i like the movie um so yeah i i that's my, I guess my hot take because I just, I find her kind of overrated. I respect the humanitarian work, but the acting work, I'm just like, oh, okay. It exists. It's there.
0: Yeah. Her, her role in Girl Interrupted is, is pretty fierce. It's pretty, uh, it's good. I just, I, I like Tony Collette more.
1: Yeah. I, well, I actually, I would have to watch the game. I remember not hating Mr. and Mrs. Smith when I watched that movie. I was kind of like, oh, this is, this is fun. This is a fun movie. Never seen that. I haven't seen a lot of her
0: films because she's never been a, a draw for me.
1: Yeah. She, I, like I said, I, I remember all my buddies fawn of her when, you know, in high school or we hitting period, like, oh my God, Angela was all. I was like, I don't, I just, am i one's the only one just not getting it or something. <laughs> yeah. i always
0: wondered that. Like, what, what are you seeing? I don't get it. Um, best supporting actor. The winner was Michael Caine for the Cider House Rules. Should not have gotten it. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second The nominees okay. Tom Cruise for Magnolia Michael Clark Duncan for The Green Mile oh. Jude Law for The Talented Mr. Ripley And Haley Joel Osment for The Sixth Sense
1: Why do you have to say Michael Clark Duncan? Because that makes it actually hard for me You, you bastard <laughs> wow.
0: Michael Kane is Alright He can't do He can't do anything but a Cockney accent Because he's Cockney <laughs> And he's supposed to play a doctor from like Massachusetts or something, but you know, you what, mate keeps coming out, and I, that that to me
1: proves, you know, if there's cracks in it, you don't get the Oscar. I just love that. I don't like a Manhattan doctor and Cockney, just but like street gang, like street Cockney. You what, mate? Yeah, I'm just a doctor here to help you. It's like, where are you from?
0: Boston? No, you're not. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> What do you think? I'm stupid. No, you're not from Boston.
1: <laughs> that was great. Mark Wahlberg has a few things to say about that.
0: Um, yeah, if you're going to cast Michael Caine as a Boston doctor, then you got to give me Mark Wahlberg
1: as a street smart Cockney gangster. I mean, they already gave. They already had him play a fucking Texan for Boston. Yeah. I'm, te- I'm Texan, man. Look, look at all these numbers. You see science.
0: Oh, like I can mock Mark Wahlberg all the time.
1: It's kind of funny because secondly, like Donnie also has a pretty thick Boston accent and anything he does. But the difference is they don't try to stick him to one location. There's like, yeah. yeah, he's a cop, all right. That's all you need. It's it's a fuck. It's fucking Donnie, guys.
0: He might it's be from Robo. Boston. Maybe he moved to, to California. The thing about Marky Mark is they always try to tell us he's born and raised in wherever the fuck he's supposed to be from. And no, anyone born and raised in Texas is not going to sound like they're from Southie. So yeah. <laughs> it bothers me. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> um
1: it's just load me in open text and sound like a fucking selfie. <laughs> oh Ooh. I can't yeah, get the no. car started, y'all. Like, come on. Yeah, no, Don- Donnie's smart. He's like, look, I sound like I'm from Boston because I'm from Boston. Just fucking make me a cop, our quirk All right.
0: Yeah. Oh my god. All right. So you went Michael Clark Duncan for the Green Mile.
1: Um, I would go Tom Cruise for Magnolia. Really? Okay. I haven't seen Magnolia. I've heard really good things about it. Um, and look, it, this one's tough because like Haley Joel Osment is really really good. It would have been cool to kind of see a kid get this Oscar because I don't think that. I don't think that's happened. Has it? Am I right? It's, it's happened twice. Two
0: kids have won Academy Awards. Um, Tatum O'Neill won for Paper Moon. He mm-hmm. was like seven.
1: And then uh, Anna Paquin won for the piano. Okay. Okay. Um. So, yeah, it would have been cool if he had been like the third. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And he is generally like, I know there's that stigma with like kid actors and blah, blah. He is generally fucking great in this movie. Like, he is knocking it out of the park. So, I absolutely would have. Fucking had his ass up there big time. Um, but it's just tough because at the same time, like oh, it's really tough for me because I've also like really like the Green Mile. Michael Clark Duncan is so goddamn good in the Green Mile, man. Yeah. Oh my God, that whole end scene. If you're not blubbering at the end of that movie. With his performance, oh dude, you're dead inside. You're dead, dude. I was
0: I was reading The Green Mile, uh, in college. I was reading it in a class that I didn't want to be in, so I was in the back just reading. And that I was reading that scene, and all of a sudden, I was like, I was sobbing into my book, and there were people looking around at me, like, is he okay?" I'm like, mm, mm. <laughs> trying to compose myself because I was like, "Oh my god, I got so into it." And then I watched the movie, and the same shit happened. I'm like, "Oh my god, this is this is beautiful." <laughs> is so fucking haunting you're killing yeah. jesus
1: I mean, jesus yeah, I th- yeah he, was, no, he was an angel and they were
0: they were killing him
1: yeah it oh god yeah micro clock to me it's a competition between microclock clock duncan and Haley jossman just in based off what i've seen it's a competition between those two big time
0: i think you would love tom cruise's character in magnolia because he is a he's a um Motivational speaker who runs a How to pick up chicks seminar called Respect the cock Fucking crazy and that's like His hes Frank T.J. Mackey This like over the top douchebag Of a human being who's all about Like he can pick up any chick in like Five minutes
1: so basically Tom Cruise playing himself
0: but then halfway Through the movie he finds out his father's Dying and he's like I hate My father fuck that guy he Destroyed my life he turned me into this and then when he finally confronts his father, it's like, I've never seen Tom Cruise act better. I mean, it's the most haunting shit I've ever seen from him. So it is a great performance and a really good movie if you've got three hours and 15 minutes to spare.
1: I okay, care you add that part. Yeah, it's it's a hard sell for, for some people, but it is a great one. <laughs> I've heard really good things. And, like, and, you know, it kind of blows my mind that Tom Cruise just doesn't try to me like doesn't try very hard not that he's a bad actor like he 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 has a lot of charisma and stuff there's a reason he's still a box office straw um and even i can even though i wasn't as into talking about as most i can still like admit that i get i get i get that um but i've heard like this that movie and born on the of July are like if you want to see him perform you watch those two films because holy because even my mom actually she does not like him at all but she would always would go to bat when I was a kid about oh man born on the fourth of July she's like I don't like Tom Cruise but born on the fourth of July he is so good in that movie
0: yeah to me his his, his best work is born on the fourth of July Magnolia and Tropic Thunder oh. okay. Les Grossman is his finest hour fight me
1: I'm I'm with you I just I love I wish he would do more character work like that because oh my God so that whole opening you. Punch him in the face as hard as you fucking can. Here's the key grip. You. You. (laughs) Hit that director
0: in the face. Really fucking hard. (laughs) I love the guys like, sorry man. And then pops (laughs) him big time.
1: (laughs) Fucking Ah, dragon face. Dragon fuck face. (laughs) Well after the whole phone call he's like, would you
0: find out who that was? (laughs) Oh my god. It's such a great character. Has some of the weirdest lines of dialogue i've ever heard in a movie but beautiful uh, i will come over there and fuck your face oh my god it's yeah it's beautiful um that that movie has one nomination for supporting actor for robert downey jr which means we can do it here and I, i'm gonna we gotta do it i cannot wait to do tropic thunder on this show
1: oh uh, i'm i'm gonna mean on that one i'm I, that, that's too good
0: yeah um uh, but yeah, I recommend Magnolia. Uh, it's Austin's favorite movie,
1: so I've heard him talk very highly about it, big time. All right, uh, that takes
0: us to Best Picture. The winner was American Beauty. The nominees were The Cider House Rules, The Green Mile, The Insider, and The Sixth Sense. Um, uh, I do think you know American Beauty deserved the win. It's a great movie. Um, my second place choice, very closely, is The Green Mile. That mm. is a beautiful movie. Uh, I think Frank Darabont should be the only person allowed to adapt Stephen King's work because he seems to be the only one who fucking gets it.
1: He should be but he also doesn't work anymore because apparently he's been coming to light that he's a raging asshole to work with.
0: Yeah, regrettably, there's that. (laughs) Thankfully, we've got uh...
1: With that, he wasn't the bad guy with The Walking Dead. Let that be very known. He was not the bad guy with The Walking Dead. That was AMC big time.
0: Yeah, true. That was that was egregious. Uh, it seems that Mike Flanagan has kind of taken the baton in terms of adapting King for fans. So okay.
1: I know this is Oscar Sunday, but oh god, I am so excited that he's doing the Dark Tower. Oh my god,
0: that's all I ever wanted was somebody who respects the work to helm a TV series with a good budget and a studio who's not going to fuck it into PG thirteen
1: i know so good oh god i oh god that makes me so excited sorry i thought I, I was never more happy with an announcement than i heard that yes because i'm like if this guy could pull off dr sleep which fuck all of you right up there with tread for not seeing that in theaters it was a great movie yeah um
0: i saw dread and dr sleep in theaters i did my part where the hell with the rest of you <laughs>
1: yeah where were you but uh The fact that he was able to like saddle that line of like, okay, I have to be both homaging Kubrick, but also the novel and make a a sequel to a, to adapt a book. The third part was adapting the fucking actual book itself and making that all work. Holy shit.
0: Not just doing that, but getting Stephen King himself to be on board with a sequel to a film he famously hated. Yeah. Contribute and and, like be a part of that. We We should elect this guy to Congress. Yeah, this guy knows how to when to compromise and when to stand his ground. This is the leadership we need. <laughs> yes,
1: and that's just his like Stephen King stuff. Then there's all the stuff he's done with Netflix and his various added to of the adapted shows that are wonderful, like Haunting of Hill House. Like the guy just knows what he's doing. So I can. Oh, when I heard he's like, we're you know I'm, I'm developing a Dark Tower series and I'm working with Prime on it. I'm like, yes fucking bring it yes
0: news i've always wanted to hear and i really hope this works out uh All great right uh, about that yeah that's the oscars 72nd oscars uh six cents didn't make a splash but it got enough nominations to have people pay
1: attention and
0: it was a great movie
1: yeah hey look at the end of the day it got the nominations right and it, it was a great film and you know even though i kind of like i said i'm not really with the whole like it's the next steven spielberg it got, it got him boosted. It got him more work. And like I said, for a while though, we were getting good stuff. Uh, Unbreakable was great. Signs from he is good up until the twist. I know people kind of... Per- very There's some polarizing responses on the village. Quite polarizing. Um, but, you know, this this movie proved that when Shyamalan does actually, like, all joking aside, this isn't... I don't want to beat him down. It's not beyond the bad right now. But uh, when he is get, gets his shit together and Fucking brings it. He brings it. The guy can do it. I just wish he wish he did it more consistently.
0: <laughs> yep. So do I. Maybe knock at the cabin will be another good one. I guess we'll just have to wait and see.
1: With him, you always have to wait and see. Yep. Well, you even trust the, sure. I don't see so can't even trust the critics because some of them are pulling this whole like he's a visionary. We just never knew it, shit. I'm like, oh fuck you. Just admit you were wrong.
0: God damn. It's okay to say you can, you don't have to like every film by a director to like his, to like him. There's plenty of films by Robert Zemeckis. I can't stand. Doesn't mean he's not my, like my favorite director, you know, back to the future still matters. Six Sense still matters. Yeah. It's, it's you got to take him. you know, every film on its own to the, to backtrack and be like, we, you know, we just never understood him correctly. But fuck you. <laughs>
1: yeah exactly like i mean i like some x's later career i don't i'm not taking away anything he's he's done right i may not like oh, you know rob zombie for example going to world of horror his career might be pretty shaky after devil's rejects for me i'm not taking away house of corpses and devil's rejects no. is That's ghost of so
0: mars gonna just shoot carpenter in the balls forever no he gave us halloween he gave us escape from new york he gave us the thing he gave us the fog they Patron were in little china all of that matters
1: coffee black do you would you like something just the way you like it, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, this this was a blast
0: thanks for joining me today man uh, Austin this one's for you have fun on your trip there uh, check out our social media Facebook Twitter Instagram film guys and productions uh, send us a message there if you we got something or there You got something you want us to check out Check out our website Filmgasm.com Where we have reviews, articles, trailers of upcoming films And every episode of our shows Check out our letterbox, respectively uh, I'm Connor95 From there you can find everybody else And uh, that's where we're posting reviews now So check all that out And uh, if you want to donate Through Anchor You can click on support this podcast On your preferred provider And uh, send us something We appreciate it uh, Next week's Oscar Sunday Very fun We're going back to 2003 to tackle the swashbuckling adventure Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, The Introduction of Captain Jack Sparrow and His Friends. What a fantastic movie! Nominated for, I believe,
1: five Oscars, including Best Actor for Johnny Depp. The best Pirates film, even though I do quite enjoy the initial trilogy but the first one is in case in this case the best and the best time the best case of disney adapting a fucking ride into a movie because god knows they tried a lot more after this
0: i know it is the greatest movie ever based on a theme park ride which is a weird boast but yeah (laughs) um and the first three films were all oscar nominees so we can do all three on this show which i am looking forward to because dead man's chest and that world's end are fantastic
1: I saw a scoop somewhere that they're getting ready to release like the whole series on the 4K, and I was like, ooh, that's that might be a really dip. I got, I got the first three on Blu-ray. I'm good. I don't
0: want four and five touching the rest of my movies.
1: I'm good. (laughs) I I, I mean, I own all five, but I I very rarely watch four and five. I watch one, three in a heartbeat. Yeah, especially the first one because I do even think like the initial trilogy like got progressively like less quote unquote worse with each one, even though. I still really like two and three, but man, that first one just is so good. It's a damn near perfect film for me. If not just a perfect film.
0: Well, there's so few great pirate movies. There's, you know, after Errol Flynn was like nothing for 50 years. And then Gore Verbinski gives us black Pearl and we're like, Oh shit, we like this. And it still holds up. It's a great adventure and a fun, original movie, great cast, great characters, great visual, great score, great score. It's a, it's an awesome movie. Uh, I'm so excited for next week. And also, uh, There's a good to fair chance. uh, Fake true stories co-host Isabel Gonzalez is going to be joining us on that episode, so we're bringing her into the fold for the for the uh, other shows. So, sweet, that'll be fun. Uh, Yeah, very fun episode. Yeah, going to be a good one. Check out uh, V on FilmGasm this week. uh, Russian folk horror film from the 60s. Josh is very excited for that one, and uh, Red Sonia on Beyond the Bad. Speaking of swashbuckling, a little Conan, but not Conan fun <laughs> because they couldn't, you know, rights issues were like, Why don't you put Conan in this movie? Well, they're fine. We'll just put
1: Schwarzenegger in the same costume and pick a different name. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. I was looking that up. And I was like, this is a spinoff. And I was like, it is indeed a spinoff. And they just couldn't say that. Yep. I think his name's Kalidor. Yeah, Lord Kalidor.
0: Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that'll be our Beyond the Bad. And then uh, tomorrow, Monday, we'll be dropping a Fake True Stories on 2006's Glory Road. Talk about segregation in college basketball and the film that tells that story. So Loaded Week, good shit coming. Uh, This was a blast. Always fun talking about horror movies over here where the Academy doesn't like to talk about them. And uh, yeah, check out the rest of our stuff. We'll see you next time.